Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis at 7 o'clock. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Great to have you with us on this Friday eve. Brooke Grimsley is here. Kerry Davis yeah. is fired up and ready to go. The Super Bowl champ wearing his Dickie football shirt today. And uh, we're Gotta glad represent. that uh, you are with us, whether you're driving in your car. And if you are driving in your car, we would recommend that you don't watch us. In your car on the Air Alliance team <laughs> studio cam. Please be safe if you're driving 80 miles an hour. We know that you love to see us, but wait till you get to the office or wait till you get home before you turn on the Air Alliance team studio cam. Available on YouTube, just search 101 ESPN STL. Later on in the show, we're going to talk to Greg Amzinger. He's always fun. Uh, we're going to talk to Bernie Federko. We're going to talk to uh, Bobby, uh, Bobby Tommy. Bobby Tommy. Bobby scored, Tommy. Who scored Tommy. goals in uh, four consecutive contests. And the Blues tonight take on the Arizona Coyotes, who right if the playoffs started would be a playoff team. We haven't been able to say that very often hmm. about Arizona. You, you, play in a, you get energized by playing in a college arena. When do they typically <laughs> play the Stanley Cup final? It's an intimate environment. Yeah, usually June. Oh, okay. It's an intimate okay. environment. It is it's, intimate. it's a very intimate environment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Close. Look, looking forward to that. Last night over at Chaffetz Arena, um, an intimate gathering saw St. Louis U. Matthew, would you suggest that um, an intimate gathering is an apt description? Oh, yeah, it was a good group. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, we did, uh, all of us. Uh, <laughs> and, and when the game got out of hand because SLU won at 102-66, we were able to count, count everybody in there. Oh. Uh, it was an exhibition game for D2 Lincoln, but not for the Billikens, who left their starters in for a long time, even though the game was out of hand. And I know uh, Travis Ford wanted to get his, his starters just the opportunity to gel and to meld. And early on, SLU against a team like... Lincoln from on the way to the Ozarks. Where is it? That? Yeah, Jeff Fulton? City. Fulton? Jeff yeah, City. Yeah. Jeff City. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the Blue Tigers. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't go, go Tiger. I don't know Tigers. that uh, SLU is going to be big enough to play against big teams, but they're fun to watch. And early on, by the way, I texted Matthew Rocchio. We're four minutes into the game, and I said over on because SLU had taken I think five <laughs> three pointers, and Gibson Jimerson at that point was. Four for four. And I, I gave him, even though they were on pace for like 43 point attempts, I said over under on three pointers. Did I say 18? And a, I think I said 18 and a half. Yes, he did. And uh, they, shoot? They, they, took, they took one to get to 18 in the final minute. Oh. They, they got the under. Oh. Yeah. I was Vegas. It was incredible. Yeah. I was Vegas. Vegas <laughs> I was, and I was skeptical because at that point, Gibson Jimerson was four for four himself. Um and he didn't take many else. What what yeah. is this slew team? What are the uh you no? Know, what is the outlook for them this season? Now, I know it's, they have a it's gonna a be six four center, yeah. which hopefully it's a little scary, uh, right? Well, that, the, problem, that the problem put is fear in anyone. 
the problem is you hope it's not a six four center the whole season because you hope hey, that is he, you hope he's gonna grow. Is he gonna? Is he, <laughs> hey, <laughs> CD, right? How old is this guy? No, you hope that the NCAA <laughs> like clears two of your waivers, oh, which oh, which okay. which is two of your three centers on the roster. Uh, Brad is a weirdo, and uh, now we found out. On Sunday night, Bruzang is also having some issues with the NCAA. Okay. So that's that's a six foot nine, two hundred sixty pounder, and is a weirdo and a seven footer, and, and, and Zhang. Uh, they got Stefan Bussel going, a bustle going last night, uh, who's um, just under seven feet. And, um, doesn't really know how to set a legal screen, which I'm fine with because I'm okay with guys playing like Shaq well, and just pushing people out the of thing. their way. Sometimes you you set that illegal screen intentionally to set the tone. You just, this just dude want, just you do pushes you just, people but, though. I love it so do. much. And guess what they're gonna do from that point on? They're gonna run around the screen. They're either gonna try to go under or go around. And you, you you play off of that. You're good. So they're gonna be they're, gonna they're young. It's gonna be fun. I mean, Larry Hughes is gonna be fantastic, fantastic, and that's He's fun having playing. him going again. Or Larry Hughes the second. Oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, the second. I was say, yeah, I was Larry's about forty-four. <laughs> I think he's. Eli- I mean, he didn't finish college. I mean, he didn't. He still had eligibility left. I'm sure. He left early. He still uh, play. By the way, we, we should note that in this one o two to sixty six game, Lincoln took twenty seven free throws. The Billikens took 39 free throws. The oh attention to detail on the part of the officials was just exceptional. Yes, that, that was a long <laughs> game. What time y'all get out of there? Oh, man. It was, it was, seven, it's yeah. a lock. It was about 20 minutes. people to turn into an intimate right? environment. Yeah. <laughs> the game will last about 20 minutes longer than the game against Money on Southern Indiana. But, yeah. you know, here's the thing, though. If the if the family of the refs were watching, they got, got a lot of great shots. There you go. Oh, you know, the nice. scrapbook got, got a lot of meat last night. And okay. So, you know, good for, good for the refs. It was about them. I don't uh, think it ever should be about them. Though. Pro basketball last <laughs> night. The Warriors scored 105. Nuggets scored 108. Ah, darn it. Yeah. Darn it. At least the Lakers lost again. They did. They, they, are, they are terrible, I think. <laughs> yeah. I, I think they are. Yeah. I think you they know, might uh, But I heard, though, that uh, Anthony Davis wants to play all 82 games this year. <laughs> How is that going to work out? <laughs> is that really going to happen? I don't, I don't think that's going to. He's already. <laughs> if last night is any indication, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they, they stink. Yep. And it's cool by me. Whatever. Guys, uh, interesting baseball note. Brooke, first of all, tell us the baseball note about the GM meetings down in, in Scottsdale. Oh, okay. Well, some breaking news coming out of Arizona. A virus has broken out amongst the GM meetings. So by they the way, Chris planning. Correa is nowhere to be found among baseball front offices anymore. <laughs> Not that, that, not that, that kind, of kind of virus. Oh, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Sorry. Okay. Uh, yes, a virus has <laughs> broke out amongst the GM meetings. And so they were supposed to, I guess, wrap things up today, but they had to postpone that because of said virus. Is this a convenient virus or is this a real virus? I don't, I don't know if there's a convenience in having a virus. I, I don't think uh, that's... Uh, you know, that kind of worries me. When you're in places and, and one person is, you know, not feeling well and you're kind of looking over like, you okay? No, I'm fine. No, I'm good. No, I'm good. You're like, yeah, you don't look great. You kind of look like you might not be healthy. Not, not you sh- okay. You think you should be here? Oh, well, it's just it's running through. Oh, okay. Just make sure it doesn't run this way. And clearly it, it has. It's spread around. And- Supposedly it's a stomach virus, oh, which I think is that's the even worst. worse. What, what do you think is worse? Whoosh. You know, the, just a regular stomach. coughing virus. Or no, stomach virus. Stomach viruses yeah. because let me tell you something. <laughs> I've I've had some I think I had food poisoning one time mm-hmm. in my life and it was unbearable. When I tell oh, you yeah. an entire weekend 
I, I, so I, have I don't you know had how a I made stomach it. virus and or you think, think it, was it was just food poisoning? I think, I think it was all tied in. And and if you have a stomach virus, I'm assuming that those are one and the same. Because hey, yikes! I couldn't I couldn't leave a certain room in the house. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> you were just locked <laughs> in yeah. there. Just, just, you're not coming out. No, oh. no, I'm in here dying. <laughs> leave me. That's God's way of telling you you need to lose weight. <laughs> leave oh. me. I'm dying. <laughs> just a, it's a factory reset. That's what that is. You've only had food poisoning once. Yes. And Are the, you serious? The, the place that I, I have too. not eaten what? at that place ever since. Like I, I have not chosen. Well, Brooke, you don't look like that because you told us you wouldn't have made it in the Victorian era. We we clearly have better immune systems. I'm so shocked because somebody else this past week had told me that, that they've never had food poisoning. I'm like, how have you gotten so lucky? I've gotten it probably, I don't know, 10, 20 times in my lifetime. You can be careful where you eat. Stop going to that place. Please. Good luck. Very good luck is how you just avoid it your entire life. I I know I'm going to get caught one day. I know it's gonna happen, but so far, I, I so far, thirty-two years clean. Have it. Well, it, it was. I you, thought I was. I thought I was out of here, man. <laughs> and then, do, you, do, you, do you have any idea what the circumstances I were? I know. It, so I do. So it was late night. Um, you know out drinking and we decided to visit an establishment one that stays open later a, a restaurant that tends to serve breakfast all day and night gotcha. uh-huh. and so i came home and i was like what is this and i was in that room that i told you about and this was a weekend with my friends so we're they're drinking this happened on thursday or friday i was in that room every 30 40 minutes in the bathroom every 30 40 minutes for the next two days Come on, let's drink. Get the hell out of my face, man. <laughs> I will punch you if you don't get away from me. I'm not, I can't wow. drink. I'm dying. Do you see me in here? I'm losing color. I'm a black man. I'm losing color. <laughs> this is not how this is supposed to go. I probably need to go to the hospital and get some IV fluids because I don't think I'm going to make it. Oh, man. So oh. that's great. Anyway, at the GM meetings, uh, people are taking notice. People recognize winning trends in baseball and the last four full season managers of world championship teams were 55 year old davy martinez 66 year old brian snitker uh 73 year old dusty baker and 68 year old bruce bochi so as a copycat what does perry manasian the head or the general manager of the anaheim angels of los angeles do or los angeles angels of anaheim he hired 71 year old ron washington regarded as one of the best if not the best teachers in the game washington made his major league debut on september 10th 1977 as a player he's managed a team to the world series he is revered in atlanta for those young players that the braves have as a matter of fact one of the lines from the story in the athletic it's great uh, <laughs> it's so good. i'll give you two great ones Uh, The first one is, in seven seasons, as the Braves' infield guru and third base coach, Washington went about his job with more energy than some players five decades younger. Not that they didn't go hard, it's just that Washington goes harder. He's impossibly tireless. A septuagenarian, fungo-hitting, cigarette-smoking, charismatic, side-splittingly funny, baseball-loving machine. A baseball man to the core. Uh, later on in the story, it points out that Washington is credited among by players themselves for turning decent Braves infielders into very good ones and very good defenders into gold glove winners, nice. just as he'd done before with the Rangers, whom he guided to two World Series as a manager, and the Oakland A's, with whom he burnished his reputation as an infield guru. So the Angels have figured out that 
having veteran teaching coaches and a manager makes a difference. He's taking Eric Young, the best base running coach in baseball with him to be on the staff in Anaheim. So you're going to have the best defensive infield coach and the best base running coach on the same staff. I have to believe that he's going to get himself a great outfield coach and a pitching coach. And I we guess that the Angels will turn things around. And it is interesting that these experienced managers are winning and now getting hired. And oh, by the way, uh, Snicker spent 40 years in the Braves organization before he got hired as a manager. Dusty uh, started out with the Giants, and he was with the Cubs, Reds, Nationals uh, before getting the job with the Houston. Bochy started out with the Padres, Giants, and now Rangers. Washington has managed places before. Here, our local point of reference, Whitey Herzog managed the Royals to three division titles in the 70s before he got the Cardinal job, led them to the World Series three times. Tony Larusa obviously started out with the White Sox, moved on to the A's where he went to three World Series. Joe Torre started off with the Mets, and it wasn't great, but then he took the Braves to the playoffs multiple times, and then subsequent, obviously, to here, uh, took the Yankees to multiple World Series. Uh, most of these veteran guys on their second or third jobs are the best guys in the in the business. This seems like maybe a trend that is coming is. back in yeah. baseball. Uh, you couldn't say ushering in a new era because that feels weird for saying that for these experienced guys coming, I guess, back in style. But it feels like this is a new trend. Is this something maybe the Cardinals should be looking at where they're not going to fall behind in this trend? I think they already have fallen behind, Brooke. And they're, they're not that what the Cardinals have done is bad because... Dave Roberts did win a World Series. Now, people say, well, what about Alex Cora? Alex Cora was managing a Dave Dombrowski team. Dave Dombrowski lets his managers manage. Rob Thompson, he lets his managers manage. So it has worked for one franchise, the Dodgers, who tell their manager what to do. But yes, to your question, is this coming back? Are we coming back to actually paying managers and having managers manage? It seems like if the teams that are winning World Series are any indication that, yes, we are. Does it? That, no offense to those guys, the Dodgers, but wasn't that the COVID season? It was. No, yeah, it we, was. I mean, it was. Carrie. Do we nope. put it? Uh, there's no an asterisk. No offense to those guys. There's right? an asterisk. So, I, I wonder if we're starting to see, maybe, just maybe, baseball people are starting to understand. You know, Moneyball didn't really work. Yeah. They, they, they that team. Did, did, remind me, because my memory is shaky on this. Did the, did the A's win a championship? They did not. Oh. Hmm. So they 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 went about it. How to spend money? You but it, saw the movie Moneyball, right? I thought, but I thought at the end they popped champagne and they were in the no, locker they room. And, no, 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 no. They, they, no, the CD. They, they didn't. No, they, they didn't win. It, but they did. Was, they won twenty in a row. And but you know what? Oh. They forgot in the movie. I think it might have hit the cutting room floor. The, the Zito, Mulder, oh, Hudson. Those three. Those names. three guys. Because those are outstanding pitchers. Starting pitching. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I just assumed. I thought maybe yeah. I, I, I vaguely remembered champagne popping in the no, locker room. No, it didn't room. happen. <laughs> you're, you're thinking about Tony LaRusso's A's. Oh, oh that's, that's in, the, in the 80s and 90s. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, Ricky Henderson and those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chad yeah. Bradford yeah. didn't win 20 games that I could have yeah, sworn. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Duh. It's crazy. I think that the, that whole time is more about, it was more about saving money, yeah, right? totally, totally. That's what it's about. Yep. That's the, what Moneyball is about. When Bill DeWitt started the analytics movement with an actual analytics department in 2003, when he brought in Jeff Luno, he specifically said, I want to be able to put a price tag on a player. Well, now you have Steve Cohen in baseball, right? And you have Peter Seidler down in San Diego. You can't put a price 
out of play anymore that everybody's going to pay because now you have people making emotional buys, impulse buys. And so the old price tag thing doesn't work anymore because uh, once Stephen Matz signed with the Cardinals, and the Cardinals may have started this one too, once they took uh, Stephen Matz out from under Steve Cohen's grasp in New York, Steve Cohen said, hell with this, I'm going to go give a guy $43 million, see if he can match back. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so that's where this one started. We got a text from the 314. Just wait until Moneyball 2. You'll oh. see. <laughs> <laughs> you might need to change the name. Moneyball Angels in the outfield. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be a good one. Good All right, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. It's Thursday. Greg, or no, it's, yeah, it's Thursday. It's Thursday. That's yeah. right. We've got, I, I was, I, I'm feeling great right now because I thought it was Wednesday. <laughs> Greg Amsinger at the bottom of the hour, but sick of it is next here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Sick of it here on 101 ESPN. Guys, Bob Nightingale, USA Today reporting that the Texas Rangers are the favorites to sign Padres closer Josh Hader. I don't know how good the Rangers are. I mean, let me take, let me look here. <laughs> let me you don't have to search, Randy. They, they, just won, they just won the World Series. Oh. Wait, they won the World Series? They, they yeah, just, just they, a few they, weeks they won ago. The World yeah. and, and now they're going to sign like one of the best closures? And that's what hmm. good teams do, Randy. They I, keep going. They, keep, they, they, re, they reload. I am, they don't rebuild. I am sick of them getting nice things and not us. Oh, I am sick of that, too. That is very, very fair. Although what would happen, I know, is the guy would have like a 6 ERA here. We'd trade him to <gasps> Toronto, and he'd go like 26 <laughs> outings and have 24 scoreless ones. You act like you've seen that before, Randy. What are you talking about? Maybe I have. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's sink. That's thanks. Sick of it. No, no, I understand it. So, Randy, I don't know if you all have been paying attention to this, but there, the NFL has mm-hmm. been going absolutely crazy with fining players. There have been fines, and I, I, I got a list of a few. Patrick Ricard, a fullback. Got fined twenty one thousand for an ISO block. Oh <laughs> Literally, <laughs> the job that he is supposed to do. They fined him $21,000 for it. Jalen Warren got fined for pass pro, blocking a linebacker that was blitzing. $43,000, Randy. Deontay Foreman got fined $43,000. Jalen Warren got $40,000. Deontay Foreman got $43,000 for lowering his shoulder and trying to run through a defender. DeAndre Swift got $10,000 for the same thing. I'm sick of that. You are robbing these players of their funds for doing their job. And this is all offensive guys. This Mm -hmm. isn't a defensive player hitting a defenseless receiver. This is an ISO block, which I have done numerous times. Randy, I would have just resigned. I'd have just retired. What what the hell am I working for? Walter Payton would have been broke. He would have had zero money to do anything. This is absurd. They are finding players for doing their job. Pass pro? That's terrible. Stepping up and blocking a linebacker in the line of scrimmage to make sure he doesn't hit your quarterback, the guy that you all are going to call roughing the passer on, if he just 
blows near him, that's it's it's absurd. And it's not consistent. That's the no. thing that bothers me. It's not consistent. The roughing the passer is really starting to frustrate me because that one is really inconsistent. Of course, I'm going to go back to the Titans and your Steelers. Did you see that the this past Thursday? Oh yeah. Roughing, yeah. What, what was that? No one knows. It, it, it's, so I'm sorry. You did what you were supposed to do, and that's a penalty. I'll tell you what. This is a job, and I'm not joking here. You know who would be good for this job, too? And I don't know who levies the fines. But somebody who gets football is Jeff Fisher. He gets that football. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. Jeff Fisher would not be handing out these ridiculous fines for players making plays that they're coached to do. The, the, The better question that I have always had and will always have, where the hell does that money go? Mm. That's a great question. Because I've never seen this money here is allocated to this specific place. Can you imagine what you would have been fined on that opening play, the kick, opening oh, kickoff? Really? I'd have got fined fine $50,000. Yeah. No question. I mean, literally 50K or more. Because I, I probably my entire, probably the entire AFC check, AFC game check that I would have wow. received. Because I that that was football. That's what was it hey, worth it? Hell yeah! <laughs> Set the tone. Show ass out of here. Get it's on the sideline. So, if uh, if you haven't seen it, you can look up the AFC Championship game from 2008 on the YouTube, and uh, they, they actually Kerry makes the play. They have to uh, go to a break because Kerry yeah. hurt a guy. Yeah, <laughs> then they come back and they show it like pretty soon after after the commercial break. It's pretty cool. And uh, the, the uh, Steelers wound up winning that game, oh, yeah. if, I'm, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Randy, that was the hardest hitting game I think I – well, not that I think. I know that I've ever been a part of. People were getting yeah. smoked. And, and I, it wasn't the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I've asked Baltimore you before. Ravens. Yeah. I, I've asked you about if it feels like hitting a golf ball perfectly. If it's like – Oh, a, yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that sound you get when you when you make contact and the first thing that hits is the back of their head on the turf. Hey, hey, sign me up. Well, and then it, it seems a little bit ironic, just in my own personal opinion, because when you say that maybe some of these fines are supposedly to help with the safety, but then it still seems like they're behind times when it comes to concussions and other protocols like that with NFL players and making that mm-hmm. a full priority. And I looked it up. I put on my little journalism cap. Apparently the fine collected are donated to the Professional Athletes Foundation to support legends in need and the NFL Foundation to further support the health, safety, and wellness of athletes across all levels. Hmm. I think a lot of... uh a lot of former NFL players would like to have that. It's hmm. a good question. Yeah. Where that goes. Yep. Say it again. Can you tell me one more time where the it goes? The fines collected are donated to the Professional Athletes Foundation to support legends in need and the NFL Foundation to further support the health, safety, and wellness of athletes across all levels. You know, the NFL has a committee that deals directly with former NFL players, the NFLPA, Players Association. If they sent that money to them and let them allocate that those funds... It's, it's called Legends. I don't know if it's the same thing. Doesn't sound like it, though. Conrad Dobler's knees were about the size of basketballs, and he used a walker. And he would go to the NFL insurance people, and they'd say, oh, you're fine. You're healthy. Randy. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah that's yeah. the way it works, right? Yeah. Yeah. God, it works. Yeah. <laughs> Shh. It's a secret. <laughs> that's an isolated, and it is, it's that way for everybody. What they're trying to do is frustrate the players so much so that they just quit trying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what, guys, that I'm sick of? I'm just going to do some mathing, as the kids say these days, real quick. Uh, when was the last time that the Cardinals played? 
Was that uh, October 1st? Yeah. yeah, okay. Been a minute. Um, and then when did the World Series end? About a week ago. Yeah, about a week about ago. A, about a week back. Oh, okay. I'm sick of waiting for this end-of-the-year press conference for the Cardinals. And look, I'm fully aware that it's not happening, obviously. I think it did on Monday or Tuesday. That's not real, Randy. That's not a real end-of-the-year press conference. And look, I know that there was other organizations that didn't also do an end-of-the-year press conference, the Yankees yep. being one of those. I'm sorry. I don't want to be in that category. I think that when you have a 91 loss season, you should address media members in a group setting with cameras and have people available to speak to media members because that is being relayed to the fans. Right. The, We're the, fans, to the fans. Exactly. The fans are the ones who still stuck through and it was a very frustrating season. I would want to address them. And look, you don't have to go up there and pump up everybody's tires and say, "We're going to get three starting pitchers. We're going to go get this and that and that." You can at least address and say, hey, this season was not okay, and we are going to work aggressively this offseason, at least show people that you understand the frustrations. I think that even it, the Yankees didn't do it, and as I mentioned there, but for the Cardinals, I would want to address the fan base properly and not just wait to do a press conference and hope that they forget about what happened this season. Nobody's going to forget about what happened this season, and neither should the Cardinals. And that's what you do by addressing that in an end-of-the-season press conference. Well, Brooke, on a global level, while I agree with you, we know that the Cardinals listen to this show. And they know that we keep old tape and recent tape with completely contradictory statements that we will air. Mm-hmm. They don't want to turn, because that's what they do, is turn out contradictory statements to the three million people that walk through the gates every year. They don't want that. The best way to stay away from your double speak is to not allow people to hear your double speak. Yes. And and the mixed messages were a huge issue this season mm-hmm. for the Cardinals, and they have even mentioned that. Why not, though, at least just show the fans that, hey... We're sorry for this. You don't even have to say we're sorry, but you can at least address it. I know that they mentioned roster construction. It doesn't hurt repeating that one last time as you look ahead to this offseason. Right. I agree. Let's get a couple of texts in. Matthew, what do you got? Sick of it. The Cardinals being prudent while the Cubs be proactive. Yeah, that is. Uh, th- that's something that will catch the Cardinals' attention is when Cardinal fans recognize, and they have, that the Cubs are being eminently proactive and doing things because they say it gives us our best chance to win. The biblical losses are by the wayside, and now you're spending a record $8 million a year on a manager. Hmm. So those biblical losses, they made up for them in a hurry. Two years. Hmm. I'm sick of these donut shops stacking donuts on top of one another, knowing good and well that the icing from one is going to come off and be stuck to the bottom of the other. I wanted to end up with nothing but glazed donuts. I would have ordered glazed donuts. No, what's the Specific. problem? Who does that? <laughs> well, what's the problem? Maybe some, people, some people don't like glazed donuts. Well, glazed donuts. Are hey, but you don't want to put like a, a, a cream-filled chocolate donut on top of another cream-filled chocolate donut. You sure right. you do. You but, get the top layer and the bottom layer. You're not worried about the one underneath. You get the you get the one on top. Okay. Here's you got a top layer, carry. bottom layer. No, 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 no. Uh, long johns, you it's, create problems. It's, it's, it's just an extra layer that you get. It's a surprise. So but when dirt, you're grabbing yeah. it, then, you know, you get it. Listen, that's why you got fingers. That's why you just go ahead and get those off. During the summer, in Staunton, each summer in Staunton, Illinois, they stage the Tour de Donut, which is a bike ride through the rolling hills of Staunton, Illinois, 32 miles, three different stops for donuts. And for each donut that you eat, you get five minutes off of your time.
time. And the way to eat the donuts, the big glazed donuts, is to stack three or four together. And so that's 20 minutes. Inevitably, every year, somebody winds up winning with a negative time because they've eaten enough donuts and ridden the route fast enough so that they're able to to have a negative time. Good for them. It's a wonderful exercise. Yes. If you can have, do how like many, have, have you, How many times have you done this? I think I've done it three or four. Okay. How many donuts have you eaten? My record was 10. Oh, nice. That was my younger days. Oh. Yes. Yeah. I can, do, I can do four. I've told you uh, what who this was... Uh, I don't know if it was Ranji's favorite. I think it was Ranji's favorite story. Uh, when I was working at KMOX and I would fill in in the mornings, I would always <laughs> go to the Bulls uh, Krispy Kreme and get Krispy Kremes for the crew. So one night, I, well, more, night morning, I drove over there. It's like 3.30 in the morning. The red light is on. I say, I need two do- Krispy Kreme donuts. So I get 24 from Bulls <laughs> Avenue to right. Memorial Drive, right. pulling into the garage. I had six left. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Epic. Yeah, that was fun. Those were the days. You're a machine. Uh, I'm sick of Christmas music starting in November and uh, even October. I went to right. a Coles not too long ago, and I was graced with the sounds of jingle bells. Oh, Way too early. No place like home for oh, the holiday. Yes, I, I'm, I'm there. No man. What? You're you're there? I, I just, oh, I don't feel like, I don't feel like Christmas things should start until after Thanksgiving. There's a, That's how there's I feel another, about it, yeah. There's a whole... Other holiday in between <laughs> Halloween and Christmas. It's like you just bypass that one. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of interything. Thanksgiving is one of my favorites too. And God, the, food, mean, the food, amazing. Yes. Good quality family time if you enjoy that, which I hope that you do if yes. you're celebrating Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I feel like now with the addition of Black Friday too and how that has really amped up. Oh, oh, excuse me. There we go. It's beautiful. Do you want me to still talk? You should chestnuts yeah, roasting on the <laughs> just so that we have a little Matthew, Matthew? little ambiance. He's not, he's not paying attention. Let's fade Can we? Can, can, so, can we? There we yeah. go. So the like book still talk. Go ahead. There we there go. We go. Oh, so now cool. I'll talk over the soothing music. Yeah. You see, I think that Thanksgiving should be celebrated right over by a fire, cold weather outside, not with Black Friday coming in and making everybody amped up where you're going to go ahead and start that up so quickly. I feel like that has like started ruining things and then people start, you know, getting all their Christmas stuff ready before Thanksgiving too. I just want it separated. I want Thanksgiving yeah. and then you start getting ready for you Christmas. You may be asking for too much from people, Brooke. That, that, there is a level of sanity that is required <laughs> and, you know, some people don't have it. No. Let it snow, let it snow. Definitely doesn't feel like it's going to snow anytime soon. That's going to get us, that's going over YouTube. This isn't. Don't get us in trouble. Well, isn't it? singing. At this point, you can sing that song. Because isn't there like a certain amount? Didn't you say it was six years? Is Let It Snow in the public domain? That's a good question. (laughs) What do we got now? Let's let's, uh, raise the level here. Raise the roof. Oh my God. Let us know it's in the public domain. I told you. Let's go. Because if it's been out there, that's why anybody can do the Christmas stuff. Well, they always do screwy stuff with public domain. Like, it's it's always a weird thing. Said no Christmas music, and we're just going to keep rolling them through. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I, want to apologize to the text. This is Jeremy's fault. Best Christmas does the, does song. Does the YouTube chat not oh, get uh, any of the no music? No place like home for the holidays. Ooh, they don't get cool. any of it, so it's kind of just frustrating for those. CD, folks. your favorite Christmas song? Oh, oh, Santa Claus is coming to town. Good one. I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. 
Um, I think we've done a grandma hit by a reindeer, or what was it? Is that or yeah, Santa? Right Wait, no, it's great. Yes. <laughs> yep. All right, we got to get to great games here next year on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke, Carey, and Randy, the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Greg Amzinger is the lead anchor for MLB Network. He is a native of St. Louis and a product of the Lindenwood University. Oh, by the way, Lindenwood at Iowa State tonight to take, to take on the Cyclones. So we'll keep an eye on that one for you. Greg is on the celebrity line right now. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Oh, my goodness. It's been so long since I've chatted with you. Uh, Randy, you sound taller. You sound like you've gotten taller. <laughs> it's different shoes, Greg. Uh, Is that right? Yeah, it's like a little extra half inch just because I've got thicker soles on my shoes. But I, I'm glad you I noticed. Thought, I thought maybe you bought a can of big, sexy uh, hair and you were actually <laughs> spraying it up a little more. Doing That's a little Zach Morris hairstyle. Uh, I, I, you know what, Greg? I, you, you'd know if I had done it because I would have to be coached by you. <laughs> <laughs> this, sounds like a, this sounds like a demo. And that we can put on your podcast, uh, Greg doing Randy's hair. I love, I, I, I love this idea. <laughs> Greg, let's start with this. We've got a lot to cover. Uh, let, let's start with this, though. Uh, Ron Washington, hired by the Angels as their manager, he's taking Eric Young, the Braves' first base coach, with him. Your take on another well-seasoned veteran manager getting a gig. I think it's the aftermath of what we've seen the last two years in the World Series. Dusty Baker two years ago wins the World Series. Bruce Bochy uh, at the age of 68 in year one with the Rangers wins the World Series. Uh, this is where it's going, guys. It, it, it's very uh, you know circular, the sport, and, and you recognize what works. And, and the grind of 162 is a big deal. And what are we seeing? We're seeing Ron Washington get a chance again. We're seeing managers get an AAV, average annual salary, of $8 million like Craig Council. If you're a great manager, that's worth something now in Major League Baseball, like it was back when Joe Torre was winning championships with the New York Yankees. So I think it's good for the game. Greg, during the summer, you came on with us, as you do pretty much every week, and had this to say about the Rangers' front office. I want to be straight up honest with you. There are industry front office folks who rolled their eyes and giggled to each other over what the Texas Rangers did. When Chris Young took over, uh, John Daniels out in Arlington and a former big league pitcher. I get it. He went to Princeton, but he's still, he's still a quote-unquote jock. <laughs> giggle, giggle, tisk, tisk. They don't really know what they're doing because they played. If you played Major League Baseball, boy, are you biased. 
And obviously those giggles turned into, oh, my God, what has <laughs> happened here? Uh, you were prophetic in that statement. First off, I think I'm pretty funny, too, Randy. Yes, you I, was, I, was, I was entertained. <laughs> I was entertained listening to that. I, look, I, it, it is what it is. Uh, it, the number one aspect of being a front office leader, okay, is the relationship you have with the owner, okay? You have to sit down with an owner who's worth a lot more money than you, who's your boss, who writes your check, and you have to tell him why this amount of money is worth it. There are a lot of young men, unfortunately, there's only men right now that are doing this job as GMs uh, in Major League Baseball, that do not have the bravado to sit down and go, hey, $300 million for the shortstop. Let's do it. To, I, I, on, on the same day, let's spend $200 million on a second baseman. No, trust me, this is going to work. I know. I get it. It's, 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 it's half a billion. I understand. But if you want to win the World Series, we got to start up the middle. Go get go. I'm going to get you Corey Seager. I'm going to get you Marcus Simeon. Trust me. No, no. If it doesn't work, it's on me. You can fire me. It's on me. It takes someone with confidence, someone that I don't know isn't afraid to face Albert Pujols with the bases loaded in the 2005 National League Division Series as a pitcher of the San Diego Padres to actually have a conversation like that with an owner who's his boss. That's what Chris Young did, and I think. What we're seeing in the Chicago White Sox with a former player. The Boston Red Sox just signed a former baseball player to be their GM. It's going in that direction. Do you want the game to be more athletic? The answer is yes, we all do. Well, let's have former athletes who recognize athleticism constructing the rosters of all 30 Major League Baseball teams. It's good for the game, and we need to go back in that direction. Greg, we've been talking a lot about John Mosellock, obviously the GM meetings going on down in Arizona, and some of his comments caused quite the stir amongst some of the fans because Mosellock's comments indicated that their payroll will be similar to how it was last year before the trade deadline. How do you decipher that message? I think it's a great question, and I thought about it uh, a couple days ago. I think what it means is one of the two marquee starters they're going to go get aren't going to be the big ticket item that everyone thinks. Everyone went into uh, the offseason thinking the Cardinals were going to be in play for two frontline starters. Like, maybe they're going to get Yamamoto, Montgomery, Snell, Gray, Nola. Two of those guys. That's not what's going to happen. I think they're going to play for one of those guys. Truly, I do. But I think playing B, the second starter, the third starter they add, I, I, to me, I would be shocked if Michael Waka was the second starter that they add to this rotation. Someone they're familiar with, someone who's found it again, someone who's given up on this idea that he needs three pitches to be effective. So he's just fastball change, but works. And he had a great year last year. So I, I think that's what it means. I think, it, to me, reading between the lines, the way John Mozilla communicates, just don't expect to see Snell and Sonny Gray wearing Cardinal uniforms. It could be one of those big ticket starters with a plan B, plan C guy. Greg, if the Cardinals are unable to get, you know, two, three starters in the free agent market, are you seeing that, or do you think that they're willing to part with some of the pieces that they have via trade? Absolutely. I, I think what you're going to see, um, and, and really, truly th- throughout the sport, and we're getting ready for this, with, with all of the Bally sports drama taking place and this normal budget that everyone's been working off of, when I say everyone, all 30 Major League Baseball teams, and, and, and these funds aren't where they're supposed to be because we're entering this new streaming uh, platform and how we're going to monetize this. No one really knows yet. It's exciting, but no one really knows. 
I just don't think the crazy spending uh, is going to be what people saw last year. So what I'm expecting in the forecast, a lot of trades. I think what you're going to find, teams that are trying to make themselves better via trade market. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if the St. Louis Cardinals get to the last two weeks of the offseason. They're looking around going, hey, we, we, we now have to pull the plug. we got to put a package together. Let's call the White Sox. Let's go get Dylan Cease. Something like that will happen towards the end of the winter. They're going to try to navigate these waters of free agency and see what they can get. But I, I believe the Cardinals, among other clubs, will be down the road of trading to try to get their rosters better over free agency. Based on what you know and based on what you're watching specifically with the Cubs, what is your confidence level in the Cardinals being able to rebound after the 91 loss season of 2020? 100%. Randy, 100%. I am not – look, I just fresh off my favorite World Series professionally I've ever had. Was it the best World Series? No. But I got to hang out with Albert Pujols every night watching the World Series and go do television with one of my favorite sports heroes of all time. And my goodness, what, what a dream that was. Albert is first class in every way. And he is as confident as I am that the St. Louis Cardinals are bouncing back. There's, just, there's too much talent there. And it, it, it's funny because you know, Brian Cashman came out the other day at GM meetings at Scottsdale and said, we're, we're pretty bleeping good. And he's very, like, resilient. And he wanted to push back on the Joel Shermans and the John Heymans and the Mark Feinsands and all these reporters are like, man, doom and gloom, Yankees, they didn't make the playoffs. But he recognizes what he has, and he believes in what he has. John like isn't going to be like that in terms of the words coming out of his mouth, but he has the same attitude. We're really good. We've got, we've got a great roster of talent. Do we need more starting pitching? He has not hidden that. That is not something he's trying to walk away from. He recognizes it. He's addressing it right now. At least he's attempting to. So I, this team, if you give them two more starters that can legitimately stay healthy, maybe a third at depth in case, this team is not <laughs> – they should be expecting to win the NL Central, I'll put it that way. Even with the, the genius of Craig Council on the north side of Chicago – they should be expected to be better than the Cubs, expected to be better than the Milwaukee Brewers, expected to be even better than the Cincinnati Reds, who were disappointing to me at the trade deadline. When you're this close to the playoffs, you got all these young players, and you don't go get anyone, you don't put yourself over the top. I'm really interested to see what the Reds do this offseason. I'm really interested to see what the Baltimore Orioles will do this offseason. It's easy to lose 100 games and draft well when your pick is always in the top five. It's hard to screw that up. It truly is. It's so obvious who the best players in the country are on draft night. So you let these kids get to the big leagues. Wow, Mike Elias of the Orioles, you're a genius. The Reds, wow, Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain, look at all these kids. They're so good. But it takes actual effort. It's actually harder to add to that. Spend millions on top of that and see how you elevate your organization. So I, the Cardinals are open where their weaknesses are. They're going to address it. They're going to make their team better. And I expect them to be not just in the playoffs. I expect them to win their division, win close to 100 games. 100% I'm confident the Cardinals can bounce back. Well, Greg, I'm assuming when you're saying 100% that you're already having in mind some of those moves that they would be able to make. So in your opinion, what would you consider a successful offseason for the Cardinals when it comes to free agency and also possibly getting something via trade? I, I do believe a trade is uh, inevitable 
for this organization. Um, the, the musical chairs uh, of their position players and the young players that uh, it, it is, it's wonderful to have a cupboard that's overflowing with talent like that. I think you know, a young player like Juan Yepes is going to get traded at some point this off season. Uh, and he won't be alone. There'll be others involved. Uh, maybe Brendan Donovan gets, gets moved. Uh, but the Cardinals are going to have to pay a hefty price if they want a legit starting pitcher who could be made available. Uh, I just, you know, I, I threw out Dylan Cease. He's one of many that could be an option. But I think the Cardinals making a significant trade uh, will be something that happens in this offseason. I think all signs are pointing that they're picking between Aaron Nola and Sonny Gray. I, I think the Yamamoto sweepstakes are, are driving north. More and more GMs are recognizing how talented he is. Uh, he's probably the number two free agent right now. If you were going to look at the biggest contracts that are going to be handed out this offseason, he's going to be behind Shohei Otani. We're talking north of $200 million for this young guy. He's only 25 years old. So I think those, those waters are too deep for where the Cardinals want to be. So they're looking at an Aaron Nola who wants $200 million. I don't know if he's going to get that with an ERA. It's been over four the last couple of years, even though he's so durable. So I think it's between Nola and Sonny Gray. And then I expect a Michael Walker type. And then we'll add on. We'll add on. Who knows? If it's a Hunjin Ryu, who knows? where they go, but there are, I think, three signings and a trade. And it's going to be a significant offseason. And I'm not even getting into the bullpen. They expect three more arms in that bullpen that are brand new. And finally, Greg, we've got the big 75th anniversary of KCLC at Lindenwood coming up this weekend. Yes, I'm very excited about it. I wish I could be part of the event today, but work obligations. I live near New York City, couldn't make it. I'm going to get in late tonight, late tonight. So I should be at a bar somewhere down on Main Street, St. Charles. If you're looking for someone to talk trash with about sports, <laughs> uh, just walk down Main Street around 9 or 10 o'clock, and you'll see me somewhere um, yelling at people. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, you're the best. Hey, safe travels, and we'll talk to you. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk trash together, Randy. And like maybe that. I'll do your hair. Maybe I'll do your hair. I like that idea. I'll buy you lunch. <laughs> All right, you got it. See you, brother. That's See Greg, you guys. Greg Amzinger, MLB Network, the Lindenwood University with us, as he is pretty much every Thursday here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Tioli next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Send it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Randy, and we do welcome your text. Kids, um, Mizzou plays Tennessee this weekend and then Florida the following weekend at home. If Missouri would win out against those two teams and Arkansas, they would likely be in a bowl game in Florida. Take it or leave it, Mizzou does play in a bowl game in Florida. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Take it or leave it. I'm going to, unfortunately... Uh, yeah, I know people think I'm the Mizzou hater Uh-oh. on the Here show. Here comes the Mizzou hater oh. stuff, CD. Uh, you know, wow. I, what I am, 
Mizzou fans is a realist. I'm an Illini. <laughs> and so, therefore, I understand how, how football go. It's going to be a tough game in, in Columbia this weekend. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am a realist. I, I, have I not ever been a realist? Have you heard me sit on this show and say anything other than realistic things that are in it, it probably going to happen? Am I, have, you're, am I you're sunshine negative. lollipops? You're negative. You're, oh, you're, right. you're, so you can't say that. So, so, no. so being honest, negative. being honest sounds to you like negativity. On this show. Only when I'm speaking Rock, of Mizzou. you can't talk about any of this. Because I'm so, always because so I'm always is, negative, is, not realistic, right? Is is oh, Mizzou going to win this weekend? Negative. Uh, they, got a, they got a good shot. No, that, yes or no, sir? Uh, <laughs> he didn't believe that what when he mean? said that. Yes or no? Are they going to win? Do you believe they're going to win or do you think they're going to lose? Yeah, I think 34-28. Win or loss? Win. Okay. So you think they're going to win? Yeah. Wait, you said right. how much? 34-28. Okay. okay. Cool. I don't. Does that make me a negative person? No. I think it makes me a Because everybody has their opinions, Ron. There you go. By the way... You can't you can't roll your uh, eyes to that. The the folks at ESPN have the Illini playing in the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit. That's one that every player, when they go to college, yeah. strives to get Listen, into. We is, are looking forward quick lane bowl. to it. Yeah. <laughs> Randy, at this point, we just want to get in the bowl game. Just a bowl game. Yeah, yeah, just get eligible, right? I just want to win a game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about playoffs. So, Talk to me about bowl games. Uh, Kyle Bonagura of ESPN has Mizzou playing in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. No. Nice. Yes, they no, do. No, no, that no, in Tennessee? no, 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 no. It, it uh, is. It's in Memphis, and they've Memphis. done that enough. They and and nothing, I, I love Memphis, but the Liberty Bowl, have you guys been to the Liberty Bowl? Yeah. Mm, no. Several times. It's 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 not it's the best no. experience, uh, and nothing against them. I I had to go several times. One with Arkansas back to back years with Arkansas one year, and I was like, well, that's surely the last time I'll go to that bowl game. Oh, and oh. then Mizzou the next oh, year. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the more knowledgeable Mark Schlebaugh of ESPN has Mizzou playing Iowa. We have played Iowa in a bowl game before. They have them in the Cheez It. Citrus Bowl on January 1st in oh, Orlando. There you go. What happened to the Music City Bowl? Everybody came to their senses and decided. Well, actually, uh, <laughs> bon- Bonagura has Tennessee playing in the Citrus Bowl. But if if you have the draft, right? Yeah. If you're the Music City Bowl, you're taking Tennessee. I, if Mizzou wins out, they have an, opportun- have an opportunity to play in a better ball game. Now, mm-hmm. if you lose that game, which you did to Georgia, and you allow that to ruin the rest of your season, you get what you get, and you don't have a fit. Yep. By the oh, way, that was that was a nice saying. What you tell you? That's what you tell your kids. Yeah. <laughs> you get what you get, and you don't have a fit. There you go. My favorite bowl for Mizzou to play in, and I might even go January first, the ReliaQuest Bowl in Tampa. Uh, right now. Bonagura has Auburn playing in that one, and Schlebaugh has LSU playing in that one from the SEC. So I'll take it because of that one. I think that would be a good fit. Okay, let's do it. So we were talking to Greg Amzinger a few minutes ago, and he was talking about the possibility of trading some players. Take it or leave it. You're more willing to see Brendan Donovan leave than you are Nolan Gorman. Leave it. I'm Ooh. going to leave Ooh. that too. Ooh. I'm going to leave it just for the fact of I think that Brendan Donovan is more valuable with the Cardinals. And if you even look, remember when he got injured, the numbers offensively, how much they dip for the Cardinals in his absence. His versatility is there. I know that you could say, well, there's Tommy Edmond there, and he's a very versatile player. But offensively, I think there's more of an up- upside with Brendan Donovan. He can be your leadoff hitter. Who, who else is going to be your leadoff hitter if it's not Brendan Donovan? I mean, you could do Lars. I guess you could. But I Sorry, like him not to rain on your no, no, I, I, I don't. I, I, I don't 
C Newt Bar. I mean, you you could. Is he a championship leadoff hitter? I don't think he is. <laughs> uh, no. So he's a leadoff hitter, but I'd rather have the guy that has had the thirty nine percent on base percentage in the past. Somebody's Just mad. Me. Somebody asked if we were on. I can't say part of it on meth. <laughs> because of what we just said there. So maybe we'll get into that topic later. But playing off of that, because this leads into my take it or leave it, take or leave this trade, because this is something that Derek Gould has in his post-dispatch sp- dispatch, excuse me, article. He has the Yankees looking at Brennan Donovan and Alec Burleson, both who are pre-arbitration players, for, I think it's Clayton Beater mm-hmm. is what they're looking for. Take or leave that trade, guys. Brendan Donovan for and that. Alec Burleson for Clayton Beater. I'm gonna leave it. Eh, well, I'll leave it. See, I think here here's the thing. If you if you let well, you still can't have Nolan Gorman as your DH. But I think I don't think you can trade Gorman and Burleson. Burleson. Because one of those guys should be your everyday DH. Especially if you got Wilson Contreras playing catcher every day. Yeah, and or every hundred and thirty games. Clayton Beater's never pitched in the majors. I need a guy that I... I've got a bunch of guys that have never pitched in the majors. Uh, now, he had a really good AAA season, but the Yankees were desperate for starting pitching and didn't call him up. So, are we saying that the Yankees don't know what the hell they're doing? Uh, I, I would rather get something more established if I'm going to give those guys up. Take it or leave the opening day shortstop for the Chicago White Sox next season is a former Cardinal. Ooh. Ooh. Interesting that he said shortstop. Leave it. What short? Who? Paul well, Young. That's right. That's first name came to my mind, and I don't see that happening. Are they talking top, about Tommy Edmund? Well, but he's our center fielder. He's our second baseman. Or what else? Well, he's been a little bit of everything. Because <laughs> remember, he was supposed to be the shortstop, and then and they then, made Paul DeYoung the shortstop. Yeah, and, and then <laughs> he was supposed to play second, but then they had infielders in the outfield, and we oh. were all confused. As to why Taylor Motter was here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tomater. He's a good guy. Yeah, the, miss the, him. Uh, I'm just kidding. Top <laughs> prospect for the White Sox, Colson Montgomery, has an ETA of 2024. So I'm going to suggest that Colson Montgomery winds up being the shortstop for the White Sox. Tim Anderson, by the way, will not be back with the White Sox, apparently. Take it or leave it. Uh, Mizzou fans are not realistic. <laughs> I like how you just came in <laughs> with yeah. that These people are, are absolutely nuts. Just went out. I said that last week. You'd have been in the championship game. You'd have been in the final four. Yeah. If you well, won out, yeah, yeah. you would have been in the final four. If you and now you have to win out, and three other teams have to do really weird losses there for you, you to get a day six. There oh, you you New Year's do- Yeah. And it is what it is. It is what it is. Yep. Uh, take it or leave it. The best Super Bowl matchup at this point is Ravens Eagles. I like that. I'm take taking that. that. Oh, I would love that. I will yeah, take Hertz that. Hurts and Lamar at quarterback. That could be two possible. Two really good defenses. I got Baltimore making it to the Super Bowl, as much as that pains me to say. Wow, yeah, that it, is. It hurts. Wow. Pretty good. This is a realist here. It's a. No, CD. You're a hater. You're a hater, CD. Bless you. Oh, you, Did you, you just not? ruined it for him. It's not happening. It didn't. Oh, yeah, no. dang, he, yeah he, he said it too early. Did I, I, need, I needed a sun open. I could have looked up at a bright light. It would have worked. Oh. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, <laughs> do the Cardinals need to change their approach to be more proactive? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. It's 
7.06 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We are starting to see the uh, trickle-down of the very aggressive teams in Major League Baseball. Started with the Cubs proactively replacing their manager, David Ross, with the guy that they consider to be the best manager in the game, Craig Council from the Brewers. Now we see that the Rangers apparently are making a move for Josh Hader, one of the best closers in the game. The world champion's not completely happy with their bullpen. And you're seeing the other teams around baseball starting to make their moves. And previously, we've seen the Mets be proactive. We've seen the Phillies obviously go out and spend to be proactive. The Dodgers are every year. The Giants have made their move with their manager because they weren't happy. Even though they were in the race until the last couple of weeks of the season, they weren't happy with the culture that they had built in that clubhouse. So they went out and got a veteran manager in Bob Melvin. Are the Cardinals being proactive enough, or does it appear, as it does to me, to you guys, that they're more being reactive to their season? That's my concern, is that it feels like they're being reactive. And when it comes to the coaching staff, okay, that's fine that you want to stick with your manager and some of the pieces you have in there. But correct me if I'm wrong, didn't they have a smaller coaching staff that they've had in recent years, especially compared to other Major League Baseball teams? I believe that that was the case. Why not supplement your coaching staff when you were able to see maybe some of the deficiencies? And if you are going to bring in a young starting pitcher or if you're going to rely on a Gordon Graceffo to come up at some point this season or even a Tink Hintz or maybe a Michael McGreevy, why not have something else on the coaching staff to really supplement making sure that you can get the most out of those young pitchers? Because what we did see was a regression across the entire pitching staff last season. Yeah. And this is nothing against Balake. But <laughs> the problem that I have is that he has no major league experience. He came from Duke. Wonderful. Great school. But... Does he have a voice that major league pitchers are going to listen to and adhere to? I don't know. I do know that there are former major league pitchers, one that spent some time with the Cardinals down the stretch of the season, that these young players, I think, could learn more from. I I look around the lineup and I say, who got better with this coaching staff working with them? What individual player, and there were some, by the way, that got better. But am I concerned about young players like Walker and Mason Wynn advancing with the coaching staff as it is currently? Yes. And am I particularly concerned that in the entire organization, there's not a catching instructor? Yes. With the issues that you're dealing with right off the bat with your veteran, Wilson Contreras, and then you have, whether it's Kisner or Herrera, I would think that it would benefit the Cardinals to have somebody to teach catchers how to catch. Just saying. To, to answer your question, it is reactive. Because when you are proactive, you have end-of-season press conferences. You stand up and, mm-hmm. and answer the questions that the, the fans want to know, the media wants to know. It's great leadership. That's what being proactive is. It's the ability to not shrink in those moments and stand in front of it. And and here's the thing about being a great leader. Everyone is not going to agree with what you say. So what? Leadership is doing the things that are best for our group, even if everyone does not agree with it. And everyone will not ever agree with everything that you do. But being steadfast, being comfortable, being confident in who you are, what you have, what you need to do to make your product better. That's what great leadership is. That's what being proactive is. This is being reactive. And and now 
you're just trying to scramble and say, oh, well, we're going to do this. You have to, one, be able to say what you say, mean what you say, and then go out and do it. And I think the Cardinals are, and we're talking about John Mosellock specifically, when you go out and say we're going to go get three starters in the offseason, the difference between saying that and saying our plan is to try to get three starters in the offseason. Now, that may change depending on how the rest of the season plays out because guess what? If Zach Thompson goes out and throws throws extremely well, we're not going to go get three starters. We're going to trust him going into next season. If Dakota Hudson finishes out this season in a stellar manner, we're probably going to trust him going into next season. That's a real conversation, and when you have those real conversations, people can respect it instead of saying, this is our plan, we're sticking to that, and then all of a sudden, nah, we we changed our minds. And here's a point about being proactive. With Bill DeWitt coming out last month saying, we're anticipating lower revenue because we aren't going to sell as many tickets, it tells me that your plan is not to do something big and bold. Because if you do something big and bold, this fan base is going to buy tickets. They're going to react to that. So maybe they didn't have the press conference because they knew, even though they should have had everything they needed to say by August 2nd, they were out of the race and they traded everybody. By August 2nd, they should have known what they were going to say and known what they were going to do. So unless you're you're not planning to do something big and bold, why would you say we anticipate lower revenue because of lower ticket sales? It's just not a good look. It really isn't. And you want to be ahead of the trend. Somebody texted this in. I thought it was a great point. They meth? were behind. Oh, no. Literally. And they said it multiple times. They were very upset about us saying that Donovan should be moved. Um, but they pointed out that the Cardinals were behind on the swing and miss trend. Remember? And they yeah, even they have admitted that they're going to change their pitching approach. And I think that that's how you look at this, too. You don't want to be behind on the trend when it comes to recognizing that maybe you can supplement your coaching staff. As we were talking about the pitchers, their starters finished with the third worst ERA and the second lowest strikeout rate in the National League last season. That is being behind on a trend that everybody else seemed to be prioritizing when it comes to swing and miss stuff. So you recognize that you were behind in those ways. You need to be more reactive moving forward. It would have been great to have it into the season press conference because I think, like you said, CD standing there and addressing people showing that you're not afraid even if it's not something that people are going to like or agree with that you're still confident in the path that you have moving forward should at least give some people some sort of comfort when it comes to addressing what needs to change and that you will be proactive moving forward that is the fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head into the Blues booth. Blues in action tonight against the Avalanche over at Enterprise Center. And the Hall of Famer, Bernie Federico, will join us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Wrapping up a four-game homestand tonight over at Enterprise Center. They'll take on the Arizona Coyotes pregame at 6 o'clock and then the action at 7 with Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale. And, of course, you can see the game on Bally Sports. Bernie Federico and Alexa Datt will have the pregame. And Bernie joins us now on the Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Mr. Federico. How are you? Good morning, Randy. I am excellent. Thank you. 
I was uh, wondering about you because you were one of the best assist men in the history of the game. And I was wondering if there was ever a point, like Robert Thomas has scored goals in four straight games. Did people tell you to shoot more? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think uh, for the most part they did. I mean, uh, it's, it's something, a mindset that you have all the time. I mean, you're a certain type of player. If you're looking for your wingers all the time, uh, you do it. But uh, you also have to shoot the puck every once in a while to keep everybody honest out there defensively. And I think I scored a lot of my goals, too, by you know just going to the net after I made the pass and, and picking up rebounds and getting tip-ins on that and stuff. So, And I think that's kind of what Robert is trying to do, shoot the puck more, but I think uh, he needs to get more involved with his wingers, and I think his wingers have started to, have started, have started, got to start scoring too as well, so uh, that, that he can, I think, feel probably more of an accomplishment because he's more of a passer than he is a shooter. Bernie, obviously it was a great weekend for the Blues where they were able to win two straight, and they carried that momentum a little bit into the first period of this past game, but then it dropped off in the second period. period. What was the biggest difference that you noticed of why they weren't able to really just carry that over? You know, Brooke, they really kind of, they did. I agree with you. They played a really good first half of the first period. And I think when they didn't score in the power play and then all of a sudden Winnipeg got a power play goal, things kind of changed. I think the momentum switched over to the to the Jets and, and the Blues just couldn't seem to find the rhythm that they had with the forecheck. And I don't know why that is the, the case um, because they have been forechecking so well. And it was like the line after line was going out there for the first 10 or 12 minutes of that game. So uh, it's a it's a strange game. It's a pickled game. And sometimes uh, you have to give the other team credit. And I thought Winnipeg, especially their their big line, uh, Shifley's line really kept the Blues uh, uh, really off balance. Every time they were out there, they had good scoring chances. And I think the Blues started getting all of a sudden back into that defensive shell trying to protect the lead instead of going after uh, the, you know, the team offensively and starting to score some goals. So, I mean, I give Winnipeg an awful lot of credit uh, if, the, way, the way they played that game, uh, uh, you know, on Tuesday night. Bernie, you talked about the power play and not scoring again. They're one for 28 this season. Do you think it's starting to get into their heads that they're not having the success on the power play? Yeah, I think it's definitely in their heads, Kerry, uh, but, uh, but I think they've got to create more opportunities. I mean, they didn't get any power play goal, uh, any power play chances on Saturday, and then they only had one chance. Uh, on Tuesday, so I think that they've got to, you know, get involved a little bit more, and and whether you know you're getting pulled down or or you've got to be battling more so that you can get more penalties taken against you, and then you're going to get some more power play chances. But uh, you know, right now when you you only have one power play in the last two games, it's hard to to complain about you know that you didn't score on it because you only had one chance. So I think it's a matter of of, of this team has got to continue to, to skate and and they've got to continue to work and outwork the other teams and. When you start out working teams, then you're going to get those uh, powerful opportunities. And somebody's going to have to pull you down, or hook you, or do the, you know the little things that 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 uh, you know are, are going to co- cause and create penalty chances. Bernie Federico with us on 101 ESPN. And Bernie, it wasn't too long ago that you could play a team like Arizona and it'd kind of be a walkover. It's amazing to me how much parity is in this league. Unless you're playing the San Jose Sharks, pretty much every other team in the league, and the San Jose won a game the other night, but pretty much every team in the league can beat anybody else on any given night. Absolutely, Randy. I mean, there is parity. And, and I mean, I think the teams that, that obviously have struggled over the course of the last few years, they get the high draft picks and uh, obviously, scouting staffs are good. General managers know what they have to do, and you build a team, and, and you get some really good fine young talent. Is and that that is exactly what was happening in Arizona, uh, you know, with Keller and and some of the young kids on that team. I mean, and I think that uh, 
Uh, Armstrong has added some some you know good veterans to, to the mix there, and, and they're they're a real good hockey club. I mean, they've got good goaltending. They, they, they're they're dynamic. They're, they skate well. So yes, you can't take any team for granted. I mean, the the Coyotes really uh, took it to the Blues earlier this season, and I think the the Blues need some retribution tonight. They've got to play a lot better, and, and at least they know what they're what they're going to have to handle, and uh, they're going to have to be skating because the Coyotes will attack, and if you're going to sit in your own zone and try to protect that, you're not going to have the success so the Blues are going to have to be really on their toes they've got to get the puck north and they've got to do the forechecking tonight instead of being forechecked like they were the last time these two teams played. Bernie you mentioned the importance of the power play and working through that it looks like Scott Perunovich was seen yesterday working with the second power play unit and he mentioned reporters that he expects to play tonight what will he bring to the lineup? Well, he's the opportunity to, to, I mean, he's a puck handler, he's a puck mover I mean, you won the Hobie Baker you know, award as the top defenseman in college a few years ago by, by being the setup man, you know, on that team uh, with scoring goals. So, I mean, he's, he's the key um, back there offensively. And I think the Blues is trying to create an offense. And when, when Scott's in, um, he sees the ice very well. He's the same as, as what Krug is. I mean, both those two guys are, are guys that will handle the puck. They're, they're the guys that want to be the quarterback on the power play. And that's what Perunovic will, 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 will have to do is, you know, get the puck to the middle, get shots to the net. I'm sure that's what they want to do is get more shots. And of course, you got to see the passes, the passing lanes, and and set up plays as well. But uh, he, he's a very skilled, uh, you know, uh, defensive or offensive defenseman, and, and that's what uh, he's going to be one to use for. Bernie, if you were a player on this team, that Craig Ruby mentioned after the the last game that they just didn't play hard enough, didn't skate hard enough, weren't quick enough or hard enough uh, in the second period. What would be said to kind of get that moto, that that mojo going for the team to to play consistently and play hard every period? Well, I just think everybody just it's it's a, it's a mindset. Everybody knows that uh, after you come in after the first period, you know. I mean, uh, I think that uh, you know with with Kevin Hayes was on the other night after the first period and said, hey, you know, the, the first period was real good. The first part of it was, and then all of a sudden we started getting back on their heels and stopped skating. So it's it's really more of a mindset than anything. Everybody knows what they have to do. You just have to go out there and execute what you're supposed to do. So I think it's uh, getting a flow, you know, line after line. You know, don't take any penalties because that takes the, the momentum away from the game. It takes the, the rhythm and the timing away from guys having to sit on the bench and kill a penalty. So it's just a matter of everybody doing the same thing. I mean, some lines need to score off the off the rush, and, you know, I, I think the line that really needs to get going more so than anything is, is Robert Thomas. I mean, Buchnevich having a little bit of a, of a, of a trouble right now uh, trying to find the back of the net, but he's working. But it, it's just a matter of everybody getting in the, you know, getting their lunch bails out and going to work and, and you know, punching in and, and doing what you're supposed to do and keep doing it over and over and over, and eventually everything uh, really, you know, smooths out. And I think that's what they're all looking for right now. Yeah, Bernie, last thing, and this is in re- relation to what you just said. We always hear that uh, scoring becomes contagious, that if one guy gets a couple and then another guy chips in, then all of a sudden the, the pressure's off and scoring is contagious. Do you buy that? Yes, I do. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, you you really, I mean, it's so mental. When when things aren't going well, when you're not scoring, you're squeezing your, your stick t- tighter, um, you're 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 kind of thinking instead of going and reacting, going to a certain spot where you know that your puck's going to be. So you got to follow the puck around. I mean, it's not going to come to you for the most part. So uh, yes, it's very contagious. Once you get one, once your line mate gets one, and then you say, okay, now he wants to give me one. And so it's it's a give and take. And I think that you know once that happens, then then the scorers will score, and then I think that everything will smooth out a lot better. 
Bernie Federico, always great to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, and we will be tuned in tonight on Bally. Thank you, guys. You have a great day. You too. Take care. That's the great Bernie Federico, the Hall of Famer, one of the nicest people that you will ever meet, and you'll see him tonight with Alexa on the pre-intermission and post-games on Bally Sports Midwest. By the way, next week, the Blues have a road trip. Did you guys see that they're going out west, and uh, they're going to— uh, Bernie's going to have some late nights. Oh, really? Yeah. I, oh, yes. With those late, late games. Where are they going? Where? where, where, where? Uh, so after they, let me get the schedule here. After they uh, go on the road for one game here, then they come home for one, and then it's to the West Coast. So you've got Arizona tonight at Colorado on Saturday, and then Tampa here next Tuesday. Then you're at San Jose, 930 start. At L.A., 9.30 start. At uh, Anaheim, and that's a 7 o'clock Sunday afternoon start. And then at Arizona for an 8 o'clock start. So uh, nice warm weather. be easy to pack. But uh, a lot of road games coming up. They do. Yeah. And they're going to have to go uh, bond and, and win some games. Coming up next. <laughs> All the bonding, yeah. please. Yeah, do we have a fighter, Matthew? <laughs> no, we need one. We need a fighter. So text in to 314-399-9646. 314-399-9646. With your name and the word fight, if you would like to fight me next here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley and Matthew Rocchio, who's taking shots at the Golden State Warriors for no apparent reason. <laughs> is that what that is time that for the fight? Did I get this, wait, did I get this score wrong? Did you have did to I say Kerry Davis's Golden State Warriors? You just, well, you want me to say my, my nuggets? I mean, they, you didn't have to even mention the Warriors right. in that manner. But I it's feel like cool. I needed a third score. I, I'm sure you did. I, I miss Graham. <laughs> it is time for the fight. Our fighter today is Paul. Paul, how you doing? Pretty good. How you guys doing? Doing wonderful. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker? Yes, I am. All right, here we go. Four NFL teams have lost four-plus Super Bowls, the Patriots, the Broncos, the Bills, and which NFC franchise? Is it the Eagles, the Cowboys, or the Vikings? I will have to say the Eagles. Who is the only skater in Blues history to score more than 400 goals? Is it Bernie Federko, Vladimir Tarasenko, or Brett Hull? Uh, I would say... Federko. <laughs> Rock is hilarious. Alex Ovechkin has almost three has almost a 300 goal lead on number two on the active career goals list. The lead on the active assist list is almost as impressive, with this skater having 200 more than the next closest. Who is it? Is it Sidney Crosby, Anze Kopitar, or Nicholas Backstrom? Crosby. I didn't hear you. What'd you say? Crosby. Sidney Crosby. Okay. Thank you. Happy 92nd birthday to Whitey Herzog. Happy birthday, Whitey. Whitey won two World Series in his career in 82 with the Cardinals and with which other franchise? Is it the Royals, the A's, or the Mets? Is it the Royals or the Mets? Uh, 82 with the Cardinals. What's the Royals before? I'll say the Royals. 
All right, we will double check our score and we will bring in Randy Carricker. Paul, how you feel? Uh, not so good. Okay, well, that, that happens. It's a lot tougher when you're on the phone. Yeah, yeah. We, we hear that. I, we, I wouldn't know. We, we do the fight every day. We're not, <laughs> we're not privy to that part of it. But Randy, is a, he's, he's a tough competitor, and he actually, as much as he doesn't say it, he, he enjoys all of our listeners, but he loves winning. So, you know, that's just oh, his. Uh, yeah. Oh, I think it's clear that he loves winning <laughs> you know, with the air horns, he's, you know, all the He's, he's sound competitive. <laughs> Randy, you and I can be teammates. Yeah. Yeah, Randy, say hello to Paul. Paul, good morning. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Uh, I always listen to you guys. Thank you. All right, Randy, you ready? Ready. Four NFL teams have lost four-plus Super Bowls, the Patriots, the Broncos, the Bills, and which NFC franchise? My Minnesota Vikings as a kid. Oof. Didn't win one. No. What a shame. Darn it. Who is the Joe Cap and Fran Tarkenton were their quarterbacks. (laughs) I thought yeah, that was the end had, of the uh, sentence. <laughs> terrific run, number forty-four, Chuck Foreman. Uh, you had Ahmad Rashad after after Bobby Moore changed his name to Ahmad Rashad. The Cardinals traded him immediately. Did um, <laughs> is Foreman the one that ran the wrong way? Who ran the wrong way? This was Jim Marshall, Jim number Marshall. seventy, defensive yeah. end. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, it was the Purple People leaders. Purple People leaders. Yeah, Bob Lertema like and Carl Eller and Alan Page and Jim Marshall. Ever. Yeah, they were great. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, Brooke. Who is the only skater in Blues history to score more than four hundred goals? The only skater to score more than 400 goals in Blues history in a career is is this a, a in a Blues in a, in a Blues jersey? Is this a, a joke question? <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, I, sometimes I you know I, I, I set out yard marks, Randy, and you and you got to be able to get there. <gasps> okay, my favorite Hully. No, there's five million Hully stories. You can't pick out just one. But he complained about Mike Keenan never practicing the power. Play. Okay, <laughs> Mike Keenan gets fired, and Jimmy Roberts takes over for a while, and the Blues hire Joel Quenville as their head coach. And I'm there at the first practice under Q, and he's up at the whiteboard, and they're practicing the power play, and he's putting the power play up on the whiteboard. Holly's going, "This won't blank and work." So he hates the fact that Keenan wouldn't practice it, and then he hated the fact that Q would. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. So, Brett Holly, Hall, Brett Hall, five, is your final, final answer. answer. Yeah, right. 527. Okay. Well, you knew the exact number. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Alex Ovechkin <laughs> has almost three has almost a 300-goal lead on number two on the active career goals list. The lead on the active assist list is almost as impressive, with this skater having 200 more than the next closest. Who is it? It's almost got to be Sidney Crosby. I will go with the kid. Happy 92nd birthday to Whitey Herzog. Happy birthday, Whitey. Whitey won two World Series in his career in 82 with the Cardinals and with which other franchise? As a player? Like, are we talking player, manager, coach? Anything. um, Anything. He was with an organization that won a World Series? Yeah, uh, he was with the Mets, I believe, in 1969. When they were the Miracle Mets. I'm going to go with the Miracle Mets of 1969. Of all the fight songs you have, you're not going to hit me with a step right up and meet the Mets? Nothing? nothing meet nothing. the Mets. There you go. Thank you. Meet the Mets. One of my favorite uh, ever, ever uh, mascot things was when uh, Mr. Met flipped off the fans. <laughs> <laughs> I love Do you think it. he got fired for that? No, no, he's in New York. It's Come New on, York. I think that's actually on the application. Like, are you are you okay with flipping off forty thousand people in one time? We have a winner in today's fight. No need for a tiebreaker today. Does Paul come in 
and make us a little bit worried here in this week. We already had one winner take down Randy this week. Do we have another listener take down Randy? Or just make a mind, get a little revenge here on a Thursday. Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Oh, I'm sorry, Paul. Randy Carricker hit the jack, and he beat you four to one today. Ah, uh, ah, uh, it's okay. Yeah, that'll happen. He'll do that sometimes. Let's go through those questions. Four NFL teams have lost four-plus Super Bowls. The Patriots, Broncos, Bills, and it is, in fact, the Vikings going 0-4 in the cross their franchise. The only skater in Blues history to score more than 400 goals. Brett Hall, he's got 527. Again, Bernie Federico, more of an assist guy, mm-hmm. as we were just talking to the Hall of Famer a little bit before. He has over 700 in a Blues jersey. Alexander Ovechkin has almost a 300-goal lead on the number two on the active career goals list, but Sidney Crosby has a 200-assist lead on Evgeny Malkin, his teammate for the active career assist list. Pretty okay, impressive there. Nice. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> how about that? <laughs> and and to, again, Ovechkin's so good that Nicholas Backstrom, a very good player, mm-hmm. is third on that list in the it's active amazing. career list. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. And happy 92nd birthday to the white rat, Whitey Herzog. Whitey won two World Series in his career in 82 with the Cardinals, and he was the scouting director of the 1969 Mets, his first World Series victory in his career. So a 4-1 victory for Randy Day. Paul, thank you so much again for joining the fight and joining the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, Paul. Oh, man. Come on. Paul didn't deserve that. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. Here's my thing, Randy. I, I, again, I call. I put certain questions on there. I'm just like, listen, you got to get this one if you're going to beat Randy. And he got he got, he got got the Brett Hall question wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why? That was, it's what? a yard mark. It's, I'm just saying, this is how, I, this is how I think about the questions. Sometimes Randy I put it on there, that's all. I'm like, listen, Randy's going to get this, but you got to match him if you're going to want to win today. And sometimes they stumble. Yeah. Uh, Robert Thomas is next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Thomas scores! Getting you inside the Blues locker room. What a goal by Robert Thomas! It's time now for Blues forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. Get it over the line. They hit the trailer. Thomas score! They've broken through! Robert Thomas, second of the year. To the middle, on his forehand. Score! Robert Thomas, goals in three straight games. And the Blues have taken a two-to-one lead. Thomas, shoots, score! There's the answer, Joe. Robert Thomas, team leading fifth of the year. 2-1 score, 3.05 to go, period number one. Blue Center Robert Thomas with goals against Colorado, New Jersey, Montreal, and Winnipeg. A four-game goal-scoring streak. And Robert joins us now, as he does every week, on the Celebrity Line on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Robert, congratulations on the way things are going on the ice. How are you doing this morning? Doing well, guys. Thanks. Do you like hearing those highlights? <laughs> I don't know if uh, I don't know if I just got jinxed or what. We bring good luck, Robert. Don't worry about it. I was laughing, laughing when I was hearing it. I was like, it's like one of those, uh, you know, don't tell the goalies got a shutout going in the third period, but everyone knows. Exactly. Kind of moment, so I was, 
was good. Good. Hey, uh, I want to ask you this because we always want to get to know you, and we know that you like to get out and golf, and you can't do that as much during the season. But are you an outdoors guy? For example, like with the nice weather that we've had this week in St. Louis, do you look for when you go out to eat to find a patio? Uh, do you, Do you have to get outside during the nice weather? Yeah, yeah, I love the nice weather. Um, I was yesterday was great weather. Uh, it was probably the best of the the bunch and. Um, yeah, I was outside all day, um, just doing things around the house. So, I uh, love being outside, love, um, you know, love being out there with my dog and just running around with him. So it's a, uh, it's a blast. How's Moose doing? Moose, uh, you know, he woke up with a little too much puppy energy today. So, <laughs> but, uh, other than that, he's great. Robert, you got to tell whoever's texting you, you're on an interview and you're trying to take care of some business here. <laughs> Robert, I was wondering, so earlier this year we had, you know, we talked to Wayne Wright every every week and he had to take off his social media, you know, just remove himself from all of it. As a player now with as easily as as accessible you are to to fans, do you all pay attention to some of the outside noise that, that fans may say when you're playing well or when you're playing poorly? Um, personally, not too much. Um, you know, I got rid of social media a couple of years ago. Um, just didn't, I always found myself just stuck on my phone looking at it. Um, whether it was hockey related or not hockey related. So, um, don't go on it too much, but, uh, I definitely think some people do. Um, I don't know to the extent that, that people do, but I know people always love, uh, you know, getting support from, from fans and stuff. And, uh, I know that that goes a long way. Okay, I'm intrigued here. If it has, how has leaving social media improved your life? Um, well, I feel like I don't sit up. Sometimes, you know, you, you just get stuck on your phone, and next thing you know, 45 minutes is gone. So, <laughs> uh, I found that I, I lost that part of it, so uh, that's been good for me. I always think that's good. I want to get rid of social media, too. I feel like it would be relaxing. I love it. You know, you don't have to worry about any of that either. stuff. I want to get rid of all of it. Oh, no! Yes. Right, give me a landline. <laughs> Catch me when I'm at home, baby. <laughs> Robert, did you even have to deal with the landline growing up? Um, I did have a landline. Okay. Um, my parents always had one, and there was a number that we just knew we could call, um, and then it got disconnected. <laughs> That's all I want. We so. want to go back to that. Well, I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna ask you some hockey questions now. Obviously, it was a great weekend for you guys, and then going against the Jets, it felt like you carried that momentum into the first period, but it changed in the second period. What was the big change there for you guys? Yeah, I think we we were chasing the game. Um, I think it's something that that we need to improve on. Um, you know, we, we started to build something there, the, the two games and going into the first, and then we got scored on, and it kind of changed us a little bit. Um, so, I, I mean, it's just part of learning. Um, you know, we got a lot of new guys, um, new team. We're building a new culture, and, um, you know, we're trying to trying to build something. I know I just said build like four times, but <laughs> it, it's really important, and um, I think it's all part of the process. Well, your line mate, Pavel Buchnevich, as we know, he is always very straightforward on how he's feeling about things and about himself. He said in his post-game interview the other day, I'm just awful. I'm just awful all season. I don't know what to say. Guys create chances for me, but I can't finish. What have you seen from Pavel this season? Yeah, uh, you know, he's someone that holds himself to such a high standard. And um, I mean, sometimes when, when things aren't going in for you, um, it just feels like you just screw everything up. And 
uh, you have no confidence and um, you know it's something that if you if you watch the game he gets a ton of chances he makes a ton of great plays but you know he sees you know you look back and you just see that one moment where you think you should have scored and um, and you just kind of dwell on that but don't realize all the other good things that he's done throughout the game uh, I mean he's got to play against top lines every night and that's a tough challenge and He's done a really good job of, of limiting their chances as well as creating his own. So I think that's uh, that's a positive that uh, he should really focus on. Robert, you just made an interesting comment about how the Blues are trying to build a new culture here. You're part of the leadership core. If you could, in a sentence or a paragraph, describe to us what you would envision that culture to be. Like if a, if a new guy comes into the room, you, you make a trade, how would you describe what the culture you want the Blues to be is like? Yeah, it's hard to put into one word. Uh, I would say probably probably maybe three words. I'd do probably close-knit and, and toughness. I think, um, you know, it's always been a staple of Blues, how close a team is together and uh, how much we pride ourselves on, on gelling in the locker room and being more than just, more than just teammates. Um, that's something I was taught really early being here and, um, you kind of feel that way in the city uh, as well. People make you feel like home, and um, yeah, guys come in and out, and um, you know, are all over the place. But the city welcomes you, the team welcomes you, and, and the players make you feel like home. So that's one thing, and, and just toughness. I think um, you know we want we want to make teams feel feel like it's hard to come into St. Louis and play. And um, you know, Steiner always said it best when they're when they're driving that down that ramp. You want teams to, to feel like they're they're not going to touch the puck. You're going to play hard against them, and um, it's going to be a really long night. So uh, we did that against New Jersey and Montreal, and we we started against Winnipeg. But it's just building that and keeping that consistency going. I was going to ask you, Robert. I, I, so I coach high school football, and obviously my kids have a lot of – I have a lot of sayings, things that I say that I don't know <laughs> that I actually say, and the kids kind of make fun of me. Are there any comments that Baruby makes or that he says, and you're like, oh, you kind of chuckle like, this guy's crazy. He's funny, but he, he he's kind of crazy. And, and what means? Oh, just like something where he's talking to you all and, and driving a point home, and you understand the point, but he's he's getting after you all a little bit and just letting you know this is what needs to be done. Uh, I think there's there's probably a couple of things. Um, he yeah he, he when he when he gets going on a rant, uh, you know he kind of fires himself up and gets keeps going on the point, and um, you, you get the message and how strongly he feels about it. <laughs> he, he, he makes sure that you you really really get the message. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So, has he done that this season? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It happens a couple times. Uh, but it's it's good. It's good to hear, and it's good to hear really how important he feels about it. But you've been around, so you are used to it. For the younger guys that are coming in, do you just look around and see their reactions and their faces, and you're like, yeah, get used to this? I think I think you still really it still really hammers home even after you've heard it for five six years. So uh, it's pretty good. That's awesome. So uh, Kerry played for Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh. Uh, Dick Vermeil was the head coach of the Rams when they won the Super Bowl. Here, he, one of my favorites was, "Gentlemen, you can't ease into a street fight." Yes. Or and Tony Lerusaw he said about the players, he said, "They're men, not machines." Kerry, your main Mike Tomlin one. It is what it is. Is one, and then he would out one of my favorite that he would say, "I'd rather say whoa than sick." 
And that was like he was – I'd rather have a guy that's going too hard and I got to pull him back than have guys that I got to say, hey, go go get him, go get after it. So that was one of my favorite sayings that he always said. Yeah, that's uh, – Trying to think, I think I don't got it on the top of my head. Yeah, but you, you will you <laughs> into your later years because you played for Chief for such a long time now. You, the what he does say, you're going to be saying him. You don't even realize it, Kerry, and I don't realize. But you're going to, like Kerry said, he doesn't even his re, realizing his players are are doing things. So you're going to be saying it for a long time. All right, Arizona in town tonight. It's it's been a weird series, especially the COVID year where you guys basically had a seven game series with them. What is it about Arizona that they give you guys so much trouble? Yeah, um, you know, they, they play free and loose. Um, you know, they create a lot of chances, uh, you know, swinging around, and they obviously have a ton of skill um, and some players that can make some plays. Uh, I think Keller's been a thorn in our side for a little while, so, um, you know, we got to do a good job shutting him down and, and playing our, our good structured game and, and making sure uh, they have to defend. Well, go get him tonight, and we're looking forward to it. And thanks for the time, Robert. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, thanks, guys. See you later. That's Robert Thomas, Blues Center here on 101 ESPN, and we always appreciate him joining us. I wonder, because I have seen it on the media side, obviously, and you have too, when Ruby gets really fired up. I wonder like mm-hmm. how many extra levels it gets. Oh, I would think it's pretty substantial. I would love to. That, to me, so when you are a former player and you have a passion about something and you, you're now coaching guys and you see, you've seen it done the right way, you've seen it done the wrong way and you are trying to get your point across like Randy, I, I tell you, some of my kids look at me like, man, this guy's crazy mm-hmm. he's nuts and and I, I don't know what I'm saying half the time, but I know I mean what the hell I'm saying <laughs> when I say it so yeah, you, you get your point across and then hopefully guys, you know they take the message. You know, don't worry about how it's said. Just take the message and, and get the job done. And my impression of Craig Bruby is the speech before Game 7 oh, in Boston. Oh, that's so right? good. Yes. And that is my impression of a fired-up Craig Berube. If you haven't seen it, just go to YouTube and uh, do Craig Berube's speech, and you'll find it. Coming up, fortunately, we do have Blues Hockey tonight against Arizona. Otherwise, we might have to air the worst football game in the history of football. We'll tell you what it is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Nine oh four in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Blues and Coyotes tonight, six o'clock pregame, seven o'clock faceoff here on one oh one ESPN, the finale of a four game homestand for the Blues before they head on the road for one, come home and then head out on a four game West Coast trip that'll take them to San Jose, Anaheim, LA, and Phoenix. So that'll keep the Blues busy over the course of the next couple of weeks. Meanwhile, tonight, if you have Amazon Prime, find something, find something <laughs> other to watch rather than Al Michaels or Kirk Street. It's going to be 40 degrees and cloudy with the wind whistling off of Lake Michigan at Soldier Field. <laughs> the Bears are a three-point favorite against the Panthers. The Panthers are 1-7. and seven. The Bears are 2-7. and seven. And with Kyler Murray returning at quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, 
this could determine whether the Bears use their own pick as the first overall or the Panthers' pick as the first it, overall. It's a battle of the basement here. It is. So if you're the Bears, I guess you want the first overall pick, so you're better off winning this game. Well, you had it last year, and you chose to go in a different direction. Traded it. Yeah. So you, if you have the first overall pick two years in a row, that's... <laughs> Problematic. Yeah, it is. I think, yeah. yeah, it is. I that's a bad, that's bad a, thing. Yeah, I think you are working <laughs> in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. If you can, has that ever happened? Has a team ever had back-to-back first-round, first overall <laughs> picks in a draft? Yeah, Cleveland did with Mayfield and Garrett. Oh yeah. Did they? Okay. Yeah. That that well, that's the Browns. So I guess that's. This is going to be such a bad game. Is this this like a versus? Oh yeah, versus Bryce Young. You know the battle of the. If if you're Jeff (laughs) Jeff Bezos, are you are you okay? No. Or are you frustrated? You are. Oh, he's okay because he has plenty of money that he can just yeah, wipe away put, those tears with. You put money into this, and the, the the product that you got, the games that you got, it's almost like you got hustled a little bit. A little bit, it, yeah. The, yeah. And maybe it's some sort. And I like. Here's the thing. I actually like the broadcast crew and the product that they put. Yes. And the graphics, everything. I enjoy that. The stories, everything. They have a what's her name, Kaylee. I think it's, hard tongue. Yeah, she does. She does this stuff. I really enjoy her reporting. Here's the thing. If you have Amazon Prime and you don't want to watch this game i suggest watching gen v that is a show that i've been really mm. into that's on amazon prime watch that instead or the boys that's okay. also on there so just don't watch any football no okay yeah. unless you just want to yeah. just kind of flip back and forth between the two gen v hockey. is great you have watch that instead uh the browns <laughs> the expansion browns also had the first pick in the draft in 99 and 2000 when they took Tim Couch and Courtney, Courtney Brown. Brown. Yep. yep the Bengals that. were back to back in 94 95 with Dan Wilkinson and Kijana Carter. Kijana Carter, Penn State. Yep. And, didn't uh, work and, out and well. bad knees. Cowboys did two out of three years. Bucks, when they took Bo Jackson and Vinny Testaverde mm-hmm. in. Uh, in eighty six and eighty seven. So generally, if you're a bad organization, you're a bad organization. Yeah, not not great. Yeah. Not going to work out for yeah. you really well. Tampa Bay also did it in seventy six and seventy seven. Expansion Bucks, Leroy Selman, Hall of Famer, and Ricky Bell. Uh, so it, it's happened actually pretty much. Interesting. Hmm. So there you go. Uh, the Jim Harbaugh situation continues to marinate <laughs> at the University of Michigan, and the Big Ten is saying that. They will probably impose a penalty maybe today. And Michigan says, be careful of what you wish for because everybody's doing it and we've got receipts. So that's what they're telling the Big Ten is you don't want to set a precedent here because we've got some info. Here's Heather Dinich of ESPN. Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti has the authority for a standard suspension, which is up to two games and a $10,000 fine. But he can absolutely do more than that as long as he has the approval of an executive board. And my colleague Adam Rittenberg, his sources are telling him that it is likely it is more than two games and that that executive committee, which is comprised of some Big Ten officials, would rubber stamp that. Now, there are a lot of unknowns and it still has to play out, so we'll see what happens. But regardless of what happens, it's important to note that the Big Ten sportsmanship policy says that Michigan is not allowed to challenge whatever punishment is levied against it by the Big Ten. And by the way, a two-game suspension would entail games against Penn State and Maryland. A three-game suspension would entail games against Penn State, Maryland, and Ohio State. I think if they are going to suspend him, I think they're going to try to bring the hammer down, especially since, as she said, there is no... There's nothing that Michigan can do in terms of appealing it and, and trying to get out of it. it they threatened a lawsuit. Th- that that 
could be it. Yeah. But I, again, I don't know that. I don't. I think the Big Ten has to come down on them. And if they're if if Michigan does have receipts of other teams doing this, mm-hmm. bring them out. Because if that's your answer to the Big Ten's answer of suspending your coach for the remainder of the year or finding him X number of dollars, then let's get it all out there. Yeah. The, the house of cards is going to fall down, and let's all see exactly what you know that we all don't know. Because they are correct. I do believe that to a degree, everyone <laughs> is doing it, and it, it's. I mean, you have opponents showing plays and you match it up on the sideline. Now, Michigan seems to have gone above and beyond with having coaches and staff members on opposing teams' sideline sidelines watching opponents. But, you know, if everyone is doing it to some degree and you just did it better, I don't know how you would be mad at, at that specific team. But who is actually going to really hold them accountable is my question. Because they also stated there really is no timetable on how this is going to work out. And after watching everything that happened with Bill Self, by the way, he got a big contract the other day. Mm-hmm. I don't really believe that anything <laughs> is actually going to happen. Who? That's my question. Nice. Is What is actually going to happen here? Nothing. So we'll Tim have Harbaugh, all this big fuss, but I don't think anything's going to happen. And he'll go to the NFL and nothing will happen. Exactly. That's that's the realistic right, path. Go. It's interesting, man. It's, it's just football, NCAA, like, it, it, it has, in my opinion, always been the land of the lawless and, and people can do <laughs> whatever the hell they want to do. And if you just, if you close your eyes, nobody's paying attention. We're not going to, unless it's just overly egregious. And I think that this because of, like I said, you have a, a a a staffer on an opposing team's sideline like that, wearing that opposing team's gear. That's a little bit strange. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That's not yeah. great. Highly dubious, maybe, yeah. is, the, is the way to go. And I am fully invested. I've been sending you guys articles on everything that's coming out with Connor Stallions because I need a documentary on him ASAP. The latest being is that he supposedly was running a vacuum cleaner refurbishing business mm-hmm. with a former player, and they were living in like a $500,000 house together. That's a now, little there's suspicious. There's a current player, Blake Corum. Oh, yes, current player. Yes, yes. That he but there's the, has this association. But, but it was but the same house. It's worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with vacuum cleaners. That sounds like something's going on there. Something's weird, yeah. Can you make that much money refurbishing vacuum cleaners? This is a serious question. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What do you sell? What do you sell? eBay supposedly cleaners? is yeah. where he and, was doing and, that. And with those guys, we, we do know that with that business, a lot is getting sucked. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yep, yep. yep. Uh, Bradley Beal <laughs> made his Phoenix Suns debut last night in a one sixteen one fifteen win over the Bulls. Uh, Beal, who has been injured early in the season with a foot injury, thirteen points, four rebounds, four assists, and things went well. Things didn't go as well for Eric Gordon of the Suns, who went zero for eight from three-point land, and one of the most hated men in the NBA. Uh, Grayson Allen starts for the Suns, goes 8 of 13 from three. Good for him. Pretty good. He's almost like uh, big game Gibby Jim, Gibson Jimerson. Uh, I, I, I would <laughs> say if I am, um, if you are, are Bradley Beal, you, you might want to get accustomed to, to 15 to 18 points. Yep, I would think so. Un- unfortunately. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get thirty points a game with those other two playing no. ball. That's just yeah. that's how basketball <laughs> go, right? And we should note that Jordan Goodwin had six points with uh, two rebounds as well for the Suns. And Slew, Slu, the alma mater of the said Jordan Goodwin, was a one hundred two sixty six winner over Lincoln last night at Chaffetz Arena. They take on Illinois State on Saturday night, seven o'clock at Chaffetz Arena. All right, there's your Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, 
Greg Amsinger has some interesting thoughts about where the Cardinals are headed in free agency this offseason. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Chapel's like isn't going to be like that in terms of the words coming out of his mouth, but he has the same attitude. We're really good. We've got we've got a great roster of talent. Do we need more starting pitching? He has not hidden that. That is not something he's trying to walk away from. He recognizes it. He's addressing it right now. At least he's attempting to. So I, this team, if you give them two more starters that can legitimately stay healthy, maybe a third add depth in case this team is not. They should be expecting to win the NL Central, I'll put it that way. Even with the, the genius of Craig Council on the north side of Chicago, they should be expected to be better than the Cubs, expected to be better than the Milwaukee Brewers, expected to be even better than the Cincinnati Reds. That's Craig Amsinger, lead anchor for MLB Network, product of St. Louis, and uh, the Lindenwood University, who's joining us as he does every Thursday at 730 here on 101 ESPN. I would agree with the premise that the Cardinals should be expected to be better than everybody in their division, because generally they have been under the Bill DeWitt ownership, right? Since 1996, the Cardinals have always been the team to beat in the NL Central. Now, sometimes they had to have a little rivalry with Houston. Sometimes they had to have a little rivalry with Cincinnati. Not really Pittsburgh so much, but the the Cubs, the Brewers, the Cardinals have always been the one at the top of the division having the rivalry. That is not the case anymore. So for the course of 96, 06, 16, 25 years, yes, the Cardinals were the team that should have been expected to win the division. I just don't think that's the case anymore. And by the way, I don't think that Cincinnati is any great shakes, despite the fact that they were competitive last year. I still can't figure out how they were competitive last year. Uh, The Pirates have a ways to go. The Brewers lose Craig Council, who is probably their their best chip in terms of being good. But the Cubs got better with Council. The Cubs have a lot of money. The Cubs were pretty good last year. They won 83 games. Cardinals lost 91. So I don't think it's as easy to say, yeah, the Cardinals— should be expected to win the division anymore. And I really believe that while the Cardinals do have talent, talented athletes, I don't think that this group, had, at least from what I saw last year, as a group, I don't think they were refined as a baseball unit. And I think that needs to get better. I think we've said this time and time again, this is probably one of the most important off-seasons in in 20, 30 years for the St. Louis Cardinals mm-hmm. because, as you said, all of the other teams played well. The Cardinals finished in dead last. All of the other teams did things last season to improve, and the Cardinals just kind of stood pat at, at, at many times throughout the season. So this offseason, figuring out where they're going to go, which direction they're going to go, are they going to go uh, find a pitcher via trade, are they going to spend money in free agency, what are you going to do to make this team better? Because, if again, if your decision is, oh, we liked what we saw at the end of the season from Dakota Hudson, we liked Zach Thompson, we liked Matthew Libertor, we think those guys can be starting in our starting rotation in 2024, and then they don't go out and perform well, you you put yourself – This it would then be your own fault that you didn't get better. And so 
you're looking at these other teams around the around the division and saying, hey, they're they're working. They're trying to get better. They got superstars. Eli De La Cruz is a star. He's going to be a great baseball player. What the Milwaukee Brewers did last season in winning the division, they had a really good team. The Cubs took their manager, so now they're trying to be a better team. The, the Pittsburgh Pirates were playing a, extremely well uh, until the injury bug bit them, and now you know they, they finished fourth. There are a lot of things that the Cardinals need to do this offseason to put themselves in the conversation to even have a chance to win the division. And we should note that the general, the rest of the GM meetings have been canceled because of a stomach virus that has uh, run its way through the Omni. Running through. Omni in Scottsdale. So. you got to watch out with yeah. Old Town Scottsdale. Oh, that that uh, stomach flu can really just oh, get man. you. Well, just welcome Food to the poisoning. way we felt in April watching yeah. the Cardinals. <laughs> and apparently... Everybody else really doesn't get food poisoning except for me. So there's that. Times? No, I was being a little dramatic. I know it's shocking. Still a lot, hey, yeah. still I know it's very shocking. I might have been a little dramatic there, <laughs> no. but I could I think that maybe <laughs> at least 10 times it even happened last year. I was telling you guys that it was uh, something that actually happened to me. And no, cuz some people were like, "Well, Brooke, that's what happens when you drink." It's not because of that. It was an actual restaurant experience. But we did get some comments from John Moselock right before things were shut down. John Denton of MLB.com tweeting this out yesterday saying, when it comes to their strategy for us, our checklist is starter, starter, and then let's see what we look like. We have position player talent slash depth, so we also want to explore the trade market in case we aren't successful in the other, the other being the free agency market, which is in line with what Greg Amsinger was talking about, that he thinks the biggest splash is going to become via the trade market this season. And when you guys are talking about being active and you know, being reactive or proactive when it comes to things. That's what I think that everybody's just wanting to see. They want to see something different. I know that we can talk about and we've seen where they haven't been that successful in free agency, but I think everybody is expecting them to at least to get one of those top starting pitchers because you need an ace and you need more than one starter because you have those holes to fill. And maybe there's some guys who can come up, say a Zach Thompson. We saw him. He was impressive towards the second half of the season there at the end there. And maybe a Gordon Graceffo can affect things. Maybe a Michael McGreevy can affect things. But you can't bank on that again going into the season, that there is a competition that's going to play out. You have to have that security actually going in. But what happens when you sign free agent starters? Like Carlos, they can get injured, like yeah. DeGrom, and, and DeGrom, that's a fair point. With the Rangers, we saw that that happened. But it feels like with the Rangers, from everything that you read and how they really built things, they were building for a championship. They were keeping that in mind. They weren't building just to win the division. That's something that we really get onto the Cardinals about. It feels like they're building just to win the division, which sounds counterintuitive. That's nice. But building, building to win the grand prize, the championship, the World Series, that is what you should be building toward and keeping that aggressiveness. Even with the DeGrom situation, they found ways to really continue to navigate through that. And they did it at the trade deadline, right? You go get Scherzer, yeah. you go get Montgomery, you go get Stratton. It's not just what you do at the offseason. Is what you do during the season at the deadline, and the, the to their credit, the Rangers did that. The Mets they signed Verlander, he got hurt. They signed Quintana, he got hurt. The Yankees signed Rodon, he got hurt. The, as we mentioned, uh, Jacob Degrom getting hurt. Most of the free agent starters actually did get hurt. So I think to your point about the young starters, at some point the Cardinals are going to have to lean on those guys, whether it's Roby, whether it's. Uh, 
Libertor, mm-hmm. whether it's McGreevy, whether it's Graceffo, they're gonna, yeah. Tink Hans, at some point they're going to have to lean on those guys. And, and I think the best way to lean on those guys is in the bullpen. And then you allow them mm-hmm. to maybe have, you know, spot starts here and there. But get your feet wet. And, and, you know, sometimes you can have high leverage situations where they come in or, or non-high leverage situations where they are learning how to be a professional baseball player. That I think that's part of the development that we kind of just skip past as as fans or as, you know, people that, that watch the game, even people that coach the game. They just tend to skip past the development part. A person cannot learn how to be a professional athlete without actually being a professional athlete. You got to get opportunities. You got to play in those moments. You got to go out there and do it. And preferably it's not in a moment that's going to cost you a game, but if it is, hopefully you've earned that right to be in that moment. And so for me, when you're a young player, unless you are just a superstar or, or projected to be that thrusting them into a starting role or expecting greatness out of them without having, having ever seen it, I think you're doing yourself and your team a disservice by doing that. Exactly. You know what another risk was? The Cardinals last offseason banking on six starters mm-hmm. and also that Jack Flaherty would become an ace, that others would be able to step up if another guy went down. That was a risk that didn't pay off for the Cardinals. Right. And you talk about high leverage and low leverage situations because inevitably – Brooke, those guys were getting knocked out of games early. And fortunately for them, they had Andre Pallante on the roster. Oh. You had, at, at the end, you had the, the Holy Trinity. And I don't know how you replaced. Well, the you, you got Ryan O'Reilly. Um, <laughs> Ryan? What? Ryan? Yeah. Right? The new guy they got? Oh, no. That's not Ryan O'Reilly. Right. No. Austin, no, no. He plays. That's another Ryan. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, and, and then uh, the, the big thing is, though, and we know what happened early last season. It wasn't just the World Baseball Classic. It was they lost Wilking Rodriguez early, mm-hmm. and now he's on the 40-man. He'll be ready to contribute in 24. So, I think about that sometimes. I think, I think about what this team would have accomplished man, man. with Wilking there. Do you guys sit there and think about that? I, I wouldn't I don't, have been Arizona actually, in the finals in, in the World Series. I don't actually think about that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, it doesn't cross your mind? No. no, no, no? You know <laughs> Wilking Rodriguez was dynamic during spring training. And there's no question that he would have been dynamic during the regular season. But he suffered an injury, mm. was lost to the Cardinals for the entire season. Gosh darn it. They start off 10 and 24 because they don't have him and never really recovered. Mm. But this year, he'll be back 24 and 10 to start the year. Ooh. World Series champs, World Series MVP, looking <laughs> oh, Rodriguez. He's going to hate us along with Tom Mater. Yeah, they are. <laughs> and Palante. You don't like uh, a play better. Dusty Springfield. Oh, Randy. Dusty Springfield. Well, Tomater played plenty last season. Maybe a tad bit too much. He's a good guy. He is. Like one of the best people. We want want the Cardinals to succeed, and we want people that are um, prepared, Mm -hmm. well prepared to play in those moments. Tommy Edmund. Is he a second baseman? He's your best second baseman, and he's probably your best center fielder. Well, find somebody that can play either one of those spots and stick him in the other one and keep him there. Sounds like Victor Scott is definitely going to be a possibility for next season. Okay. Well, your center fielder? Let's do it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I, I, again, ready. You, you. When we first started this thing out, you, you thought I was crazy for saying that the guys need to play every position, play the position that they play every single nope, day. Let them play. I, th- kind of how it goes. Easier I, for a manager. It, well, okay. it's easier for the player when I'm driving to the old <laughs> ballpark and I'm prepared. Like if I, here's the thing, if I was driving to the stadium 
and I didn't know if I was going to play fullback or left tackle. I think <laughs> my day changes depending on yeah, the position yeah. that I'm playing. Right. Now, if you put me at left tackle, you can assume we're going to give up probably eight sacks because I – we don't block defensive ends. We cut them. And, and I'm not going to be able to cut him every single play. At, Mario at, Williams. He's going to extend his arms. I'm going to be reaching, and it's going to get to the quarterback. But <laughs> if I knew that I was playing left tackle all week, I probably would have a game plan. Doesn't mean it would be successful, <laughs> but I would have a game plan prepared, and I'm going to give you everything I got for four quarters. I would tell you behind me, look out, because you're going to be in, you're going to be scrambling for your life. But. Thank, thank it ain't gonna be a lack of effort, yeah. baby. Thank Is goodness that, your quarterback yeah. gets sacked very easily. But that's hey, the good point. That's a good point. Just have everybody figure out what going into the season, which it sounds like they did give Jordan Walker kind of a plan this offseason. Mosaic mentioned that yesterday. Just have everybody start with a certain plan. And for your pitchers, don't start them out in the bullpen. Just prepare everybody as a starter. I feel like it's easier to kind of scale things back a little bit. <laughs> but when you have that whole Zach Thompson situation where he's in the bullpen, then he's a starter, bullpen. I mean, it was all over the place. Just just prepare everybody like they're a starter. Be the Braves. Just yeah. be the Braves. It's not that difficult. Coming up next, Mizzou plays Tennessee this weekend. Brooke is going to sing Rocky Top for us, and we're going to preview this game on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Yeah. Brought to you by James Carlton of State Farm. Mention 101 ESPN to James's team when you request a quote, and they'll donate $20 to NIL on your behalf. CarltonInsurance.net. Mizzou hosts 13th-ranked Tennessee Saturday at Faroe Field. Tennessee is a two-point favorite. Mizzou on the heels of their close loss to Georgia last weekend. They were in the game until the fourth quarter. And it was interesting because Eli Drinkwitz watched the game and then recognized that he was emotionally involved. Probably, according to him, a little too emotionally involved. Also, after watching film... I'd like to take a few minutes to apologize for my sideline behavior and demeanor uh, during the course of the game. You know, on Saturday's contest, uh, there was a few moments where I I let the frustrations boil over. uh, And obviously, after reviewing the film, I clearly had inappropriate language that was not reflective of, of my character. And I need to be better. So I need to apologize first to my family and my daughters for setting a poor example uh, to our fans. Um, who expect more out of me and I expect out of myself and to the officials too um, for being, uh, you know, out of uh, out of character. Don't have to apologize to me for uh, being emotionally involved. Maybe your daughters, but the officials, they hear it every day. That's probably his, his daughters and trying to set a, set a good example for them. But I, I would say, honey, you know, daddy's a ball coach. And I've, I've told you, I tell my kids, there's Coach Davis – my my own children. There's Coach Davis, and then there's Dad. And when <laughs> Coach Davis is here, don't call me Dad. I am a different person. I will talk in a different <laughs> manner. I carry myself differently. Now, when we get in the car and head back home, I'm I'm Dad, and Dad treats and loves you. And treat, but Coach Davis is hard as hell. <laughs> so if you ain't doing what the hell you're supposed to be doing, you're gonna hear it. So yeah, you you have to be able to distinguish to distinguish both of those people. That's how I feel like before you know, I get food. There's Hangry Brook, oh. and then there's Fed Brook. Oh. Uh-huh. Hangry Brook is not the same yeah, as Fed Brook. <laughs> you see, I don't have the coach excuse, yeah. but there, yeah. there's definitely a difference. Okay. So I understand. I understand. I honestly didn't think what 
I didn't see anything that egregious. To me, it looked like a coach just being upset. I feel like I've seen that a million different times. But good on him to address this. This feels like a different Eli Drinkwitz than we've seen during his entire time with the program, right? This season, remember the Darth Vader version of Eli Drinkwitz. He also, every once in a while, he'll still bring out some of the sassiness. But this feels like a different Eli Drinkwitz this season. It'll be interesting to see how he goes with Tennessee. Tennessee scored 60 on Mizzou in each of the last couple of years. And Eli talked about the matchup this year. That being said, we got a difficult challenge this week. Obviously, uh, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's, uh, there's a stat out there. It's the first time since 79, two top 16 teams playing for row field. I think it's really awesome. Uh, and so we got a heck of a challenge. I think Coach Heupel's done a tremendous job with his program, um, you know, developing an identity of, of what they're trying to accomplish. You know, he took over in some tough situations and has really uh, done a good job of building and coaching his team uh, the way he wants to put it together. Um, they're very... Uh, sound and physical in all three phases. You think about their offense being dynamic uh, with their tempo and ability to score anywhere on the field. Defense, uh, very aggressive um, and, and fast. Fly to the football and special teams, very sound. Number one rushing offense and number one rushing defense in the SEC for Tennessee. Pretty good. Yeah. And, they, yeah. and they're pretty good in scoring as well. I, I, I wanted to say something because Rock gets on me about being negative, Nancy. But as Coach Drink is talking about his matchup versus the Tennessee Volunteers, Rock is just shaking his head. He's and, just and not he, liking the coach speak. Oh, is that what it was? Or was it the, the, the actual matchup? Oh, I, I, I was I was shaking my head at the coach speak, but I, I will acknowledge that the running numbers for Tennessee are the thing that has me worried for, about this game. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going. I think it's going to be a higher scoring game. I think the Mizzou defense over the last few weeks has really shown a lot. I think the ability just to play step by step with Georgia for a full game changes the way you look at the Mizzou team. But one of the reasons that the offense has been more consistent this year is because they've been able to run the ball in games where you wouldn't expect them to, especially a, a Georgia game. So you go up against Tennessee, who's always in the backfield, who's stopping everybody from running the ball. That's one aspect. I wonder, can Mizzou successfully counter? Can Luther Burden you know, be on the field for a full 60 plays and, and be healthy throughout the whole game and be dynamic throughout the whole game? And Josh Heupel says if he is on the field that the Titan, uh, the uh, volunteers Balls, yeah. are going to have their hands full. <laughs> yeah, uh, you got to be really good in the run game because um, everything will play off of that too. Um, they create a lot of big plays with uh, chunk plays, uh, design shots down the football field. Um, he, he's a really good player, and so when he gets the ball in his hands, uh, he's difficult to bring down. They do a good job of moving him around, too, um, where you got to track where he's at uh, for some of the ball in hands, and, uh, you know, they try to find matchups for him. So we got to do a great job against him, but he's not the only wide receiver. They got a really good core uh, group of wide receivers that uh, are dynamic. He's not, and that's what we talked about earlier this season is that we were wanting to see those other receivers start to break out once they get into SEC play, and you've seen Theo Wees, you've also seen Marquise Johnson, or Speedy Johnson, as I like to call him, that's his nickname. You have other guys available, Luther and Mookie Cooper, another one. Luther is fantastic, and it's been so much fun watching him just really have this season that he's been having, being able to get out there more and get national attention. I expect a lot from him, but it will be interesting too 
not a receiver, but obviously a huge part of your running game, what Cody Schrader is going to be able to do. Because he's been a big part of Mizzou's offense this season, and he's second right now in SEC when it comes to rushing. So I'll be interested to see what that looks like. Just an update, too, on the injury reports that came out yesterday. I know that some people were concerned because Luther was possibly mentioned, but Eli Drinkwitz said that he should be good to go. Brady Cook also on there. He's been battling an injury, as Eli mentioned, throughout the entire season. Now, this one is going to be a tough loss, and he was out against the Georgia game, but you're losing your linebacker and team captain, Chad Bailey, yep. for the rest of the season. That yeah. is a huge loss. He's for a difference team. maker. That, that's going to be a tough task. I mean, you you again, and Tennessee is one of the top rushing teams in the country, and they're, they're going to run the football. And what that does to an offense when you are able to run the ball on opposing teams is you watch a team break. And if you run it effectively enough and you you just keep going and going and going, at some point you know around the third quarter, maybe the, the, the beginning of the fourth quarter, you can watch a defense break. And once that defense breaks, game is over. So yeah. if Tennessee can break Missouri's defense by running the ball at them and running it effectively, it's going to be a long day for Missouri. And they run tempo. They run 73 plays a game. So they're going to wear that defense down. And what you need to do is you, you just need to get off the field. If you're the Mizzou defense, you need to find a way to get off the field and avoid those 10, 12, 14 play drives that'll just devastate your defense physically. It's going to be a fun one, and it's another sellout at Faroe Field, Mizzou, and Tennessee. 2.30 game on CBS Saturday. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN, we're going to head down the stretch with Rock and roll here on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. You hear from Roman Berkey, who has been named the goalkeeper of the year in Major League Soccer. Congratulations. Goalkeeper of the year. Listen, 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 did they cut me a check? Then I ain't going to say it. Um, That's the name of the the goalkeeper of the year. Again, if they want me to say it, they can go ahead and. (laughs) Throw a couple pennies this way, until but until then, it's goalkeeper of the year winner Roman Berkey, and he wins it in dominating fashion, getting over ninety percent of the vote, and that's a combination fan, player, and media vote—an absolutely dominating victory for Roman Berkey. Honestly, not really that surprised with how he he carried City through a lot of this season. Roman or Roman? Ooh, yeah. Roman. I say Roman. Okay. I I've been know. saying oh. Roman. Did I say Roman in there for a minute? Uh, no, but the guy's on the broadcast. You know what they did? I don't Sunday think so. There's Superman. no accent on his first name. There's only an accent in his last name. I think it's just Roman. Roman is cool. And he is the All-State Good Hands goalkeeper of the year, right? All-State, All-State yes. Yeah. Even well though done. Rock doesn't want to say it, All-State. Well Congratulations, Roman Berkey. Good job by him. 
Good job by that oh, guy. Other teams, though, he causes mayhem. Oh! See what you did there? Wow! I don't think they're going to steal that, Randy, and they're going to use that. They are. Intermingle. No, they can't. Oh, that's the progressive one, isn't yeah. it? And the progressive. Man. It's not all state, is it? Oh, is it all? It is all state. Mayhem is all state. Yeah. No, I'm thinking State Farm. How much do those people make? State Farm, you're in good hands. Uh, like, no, no, that's like a good name. Yeah. I've been trying to get Jay Neighbors in and 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 ad advertising spot for. Couple years now. So Roman Celitano, there's two Romans in the in, in MLS, by the way. Roman Celitano for Cincinnati and Pedro Galise for Orlando City each picked up just about five percent uh, uh, average of the vote, four point eight percent for each of them. So Roman Berkey again a dominating winning. And good Pedro Galise used to be a third baseman, major that, no, Cardinals. I think, that, that's the I same think it's guy. a Pedro, different Pedro. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Peter Happy, Galise, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> There's so many damn names Pedro in MLS. Pedro. I can't, I can't look up. Pelis. I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm not up to date on the okay, so, of every single uh, one of them. Just FYI, mm-hmm. because we are at our core an information show. You of get course. great information for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, total information. Uh, so uh, mayhem is with Allstate. Okay. Oh. Mayhem is with Allstate. Yes. And, and you're uh, in good hands with Allstate. And you are in good hands with Allstate. Okay. okay. The mayhem guy uh, is played by <laughs> Uh, oh, and Re- De- President Palmer, Dennis Haysburg. Yeah, also that was my guy. Also. President Palmer. Yeah, he yeah. was cool. That was my guy. Oh, I'm going to get Dean Winters is mayhem, though. Dean oh. Winters, who was also on 30 Rock, I think is he's married Liz's to, girl. Yeah, he's, yes, he's mar- he I mean, was on 30 he's, Rock. He's You're married right. to Tina Fey in real life. He was oh, isn't on, he? Um, no, he's not. Isn't he? He was on he's married, um, no, he's married, he's married Law & Order SVU as well. That's right. Was he really? Yeah. Oh, I love it. SVU is my show. That's because he, what if he's married uh, to he bothered Olivia, life. right? He was. Yep. Was he Olivia's Him, boyfriend? Yeah, for a little bit. But then yeah. he was kind of a jerk. And he turned into a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> he was a good bad guy. Yeah. He, he's kind of. What's, what's, what's the name of the actor again? Oh, uh, Dean uh, Winters. Dean Winters. It's not. Yeah, he's no, not, not with them. It's not her. He's with somebody else. Like, oh, so he's not. But with do you think that has to be like the job? If you're Flo or this guy Mayhem, and they're in those commercials forever. You're making a lot of money doing a that. A lot of money. I've always wondered whether or not J.K. Simmons made more from TV and movies or from his insurance commercials. Oh. What is he on? The um, I think he's is, not progress. What is? Oh, he hasn't um, been on. It's been a while for J.K. Simmons. He was on. He, on he, he was like the. the uh, was it progressive? Not progressive. He would, he would like so bad. At he would like this. walk you through <laughs> like the museum, the closer. Wasn't he on the closer? Yeah, he was on the closer. That was an Oscar. I think that was a great show. Whiplash and the farmers. Farmers insurance. J. Jonah Jameson Jr. Yeah, he like he like you have like the like the weird like the, houses that have like the car like in and all that. What's the song? Uh, what's the song? For uh, farmers? Yeah. Uh, we farmers. That's not a good tagline. We shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be. We need Why? to get paid for that. Insurance companies now all of a sudden say I don't know. You put it in my head. So now I'm doing that. Insurance companies, pro tip, congratulations on all of the memorable spots you're putting together. Because we have no idea that J.K. Simmons does farmers. We have no idea who Mayhem is for. But we figure it out. We do. We you were, well, no, you were right about Allstate. That is Mayhem. It, yeah, yeah, but we got it. Yeah, we figured, we had to it took a minute. Because they also... We, I remember we their faces. Doing, you're, you're hands. We, yeah. we know Jake from State Farm. That's the thing. Is we, oh, yeah. we, know, yeah. like, we, we know, know who Jake. does it. Yeah. We know who it is, great. but we don't That's know We know Geico is. and so, Affleck, because they annoy me. Affleck. Affleck Duck. Coach Saban, Coach Prime. Yeah, buddy. Tell me the Geico hasn't... Now that we think about it. He hasn't kind of worn out on you? The Geico. The Geico's cute. The Geico's cute. Oh, that's newer. Liberty. 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 Quick... Uh, <laughs> housekeeping here. Three one four nine one four says it's Roman, and so uh, thank you. 
No, 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 no. Here's the thing. Because I decided to go to St. Louis City's <laughs> website, uh, and I don't know, take like five seconds to Google something before I decide to correct somebody publicly, and it says Roman yeah. Berkey on St. Louis City's website. Roman Berkey, M-A-N-R-O-H, for the pronunciation guys, R-O-H hyphen M-A-N, not M-A-W-N, whatever weird one. Roman. May- mayhem. It's like the chance to just mayhem. correct it right in the moment. Yeah. Dean Winters. Dean Winters, mayhem. Uh, Tina Fey married to uh, Jeff Richmond. It doesn't appear as if Dean Winters has a spouse at the moment. Oh, he's single? Yeah. Flo from Progressive is a a (laughs) great one. We know that one. We know Flo. She's been around too long. Nah, you still okay with Flo? I'm okay with Flo. They (laughs) added more people with Flo. They did, Jamie. Guys, we need to figure this out for Brooke really quick. She's really confused. I say mayhem. M-A-Y-H-E-M. Mayhem. Men of mayhem, the sons of anarchy. You better you better get Ooh, it together. But you're yes. saying ham. You're mayhem. Yeah, you're saying ham. Yeah, I say whatever the I hell say I, I say it however the hell the sons of anarchy are going to say it. Oh, I, I love that me. show. Listen, I love that You guys that say show. mayhem. Or, or Carrie says mayhem. What were you Wait, saying? That's what I was saying. Mayhem? And somebody got mayhem. mad at me. Mayhem. No. What do you mean? Yeah, you, you, tell, you, go tell, you go tell Jax Teller how to say men of mayhem. Oh, I love son, sons yeah, of mayhem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's so man good. of mayhem. He, 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 man of mayhem. Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> one of the we, best shows. We, it is, this is t- taking a lot oh of time. My, no, one of the best is. shows to ever. It ever. really is. Have we left any famous insurance people? You know what's cool? Oh, it's not insurance. <laughs> no. The Heisman House for Nissan. I love oh, the Heisman yeah, House. I love those commercials. That's a good one. Yeah. They have some, uh, some I feel like we got all of them, right? We, did, yeah. we we talked about flow briefly with yeah. progressive. Oh, what about the guy with the uh, with the deep voice? That's Dennis Haysbert. That's, yeah. that's okay. That's, President Palmer. Uh, President Palmer. Yeah, that's um, State Farm. Or right. is that all state? It's all, all, state. It's all state. All state. Yeah. Jake from State Farm and Aaron Rodgers. Does Rodgers still do State Farm? No, Patrick Mahomes is taking over. Yes, and, he and, has. Oh, and they added yeah. Kelsey. Yep. Yeah, because yeah. it's Mahomes Ma- and Mahato. 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 Oh, you're right. Yeah. That was a good art. That was a good That's a, that's a great market. Yeah. got Allstate, Liberty, Biberty. Nationwide. What about nationwide? Nationwide. nationwide. That's Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning and Brad We forgot about that one. I forgot that they were doing that. We forgot about them. Those guys. There's got to be somebody that we're missing. The general. Oh, the general. But Shaq. They added Shaq. But remember for the longest time, I was like, who is actually getting this auto insurance? Because these commercials (laughs) didn't look up to snuff to me. Did you you guys have that same thought process or just me? Totally. No. The general. Am I going to buy insurance because of a little animated cartoon? I don't know. I don't know. I don't like that. Am I going to buy it because of a... And it wasn't even a good animation. The Limu Emu. Am I going to buy it because of the Limu Emu? But it looks like a real Emu. So, yeah, it I'll does. do that. Yeah. Uh, great I need job. realistic. Oh, totally. Yeah. So, Mayhem, he's always, Mayhem is always getting in the trunk of your car to cause problems with your vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's a good character. And, I still think, I think Flo is top tier. We're ranking like still? the most memorable mm-hmm. where you, you know for agree. sure. Yeah. Nobody, Wait, nobody, are you serious? The text Flo line is coming is after Flo yeah, in a really weird way. This, this is a great oh. conversation, guys. Very compelling radio. <laughs> but I mean, we've got to stop Flo. because we, we've got another show coming up. Uh, they great, don't come in great great job by <laughs> producer, audio, video engineer, Matthew Walker. Thank you, sir. They're going to pick it up and run with this. Jackson oh, yeah. and, and Tim are going to love this conversation. Brother, your favorite insurance company character. Well, now somebody put in Ric Flair and, and, and car, car Shield. shield. I, do I don't like count that Car one. Shield. How about oh, okay. that? I want home and auto. Home and auto. Okay. Mahomes and Mahato. 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 Who do you got, CD? <laughs> I'm still gonna go. I mean, State Farm, Dennis Haysbert. You know, the I think deep we voice. all state. 
All yeah, state. Same. Same. You want to see your face? You want to see my face? My fault. State Farm, Jake Farm, Jake, yeah. Jake Neighbors, Neighbors with Jake. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, because he's a member of the show, I got to go with uh, the, the Hump Day Camel. Oh, Hump Day Camel. Oh, that's a good point. Gaiko. Oh, you yeah. yeah. got Bronk and USAA. Oh, yeah. USAA. Is that how you go? USAA. Uh, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Hope we, uh, we hit your insurance company. <laughs> on this fabulous show. Uh, For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great Friday Eve, everyone. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.